0: Order like a saint at Raising Cane's. With tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade, you can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Official chicken finger of the Saints.
1: Uh, the radio side going here, so that way we could get Bill WD-40 into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show, because you always want to go into a show nice and smooth. Attila, I do have you. I, I do see you, so I know you can hear me. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Y2K2MI, how are you? Yeah, we're going to bring that woo for you tonight, man. We're going to bring some serious woo tonight. All right, and um, let's see here. I think we're caught up. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Also, you can join our Space Travelers Club, and I'm going to put the link in the chat room right now. We're up to 21. Yeah, it doesn't sound like much, but I'll take it. I will take the love and support. And you want to join it too. Mike Rivers, thank you for kicking off the Super Chat tonight. Once again, it's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you very, very much. Also, you can do your shopping at spacedoutradio.com. And don't forget May 10th to 12th, 2024. It's our third annual fan party. Yeah, we're going to fire this thing up. We're going to get going and get your horns up. It's that time. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire. check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of information tonight as we head down under to Australia where Attila Kaldi is going to join us talking about the Yowie and other amazing monsters from Australia. Then in hour number three... Steve Stockton is here with another weird, spooky story, followed up by Little Timmy Senor and The UFO Reports. All right, we're going to get to it. Sydney, Australia-based freelance filmmaker Attila Caldi began his first project in the early 2000s with a short documentary film based on UFO encounters. Since then, he has been involved in over 20 different media projects, mostly covering the aspects of The Unexplained. His most fun project that he enjoys, Tracking the Lore. It's all a part of track. Search for Australia's Bigfoot. And I'm kind of pumped up about this one because I will be in the forest all day tomorrow and probably on Sunday looking for Sasquatch as well. Dirty Filth and and Attila Caldi, thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio. Attila, you think you're... You're a little bit frozen there. We're going to have to get you out, but hopefully you can come back in momentarily. And I'm excited about this. I'm excited about monsters, you know, because there is something, if you haven't done it yet, there is something really, really special about going into the forest and literally, literally spending your time wandering around, wondering what is watching you. It's a good time, it's a it's a fun time, and I, I love having that opportunity. It's scary, because there are so many things that can kill you in the forest, and down under. Attila Kaldi, it's been a long time since we had you on Spaced Out Radio, my friend. How are you? All right, he is freezing on up here. So, uh, Filth, maybe uh, contact him and just say... Uh, oh, hold on. I think his signal is coming back. No, it's not. All right, we're having troubles because, you know what? Hey, there's a lot of ocean between British Columbia and Australia, and sometimes the signal just doesn't seem to pop on through. And uh, But, you know, like I was saying, in regards to going out in the forest, where we can really, really hammer home some serious, serious information, you know, you gotta, you got to be careful because... It's not just Sasquatch out there. It's just not Dogman or anything like that. You have to watch for the elements, especially at this time of year where bears are most active because they're looking for food, all right, and they are listening for the hunters. And when they hear those gunshots, they don't go running the other way unless they're close. No, they usually run towards it because they have learned over years that those gunshots mean that there could be free food there. And if you know anything about bears... They're actually quite lazy animals. They don't like to have a challenge and chase down deer or rabbits or anything like that. They will. They have the speed to do it. But if they could steal something, ah, that's much better for them. You know, it doesn't take as much effort. You know, kind of honestly, it kind of sounds like me near the fridge. Yep. If somebody else is making dinner, it's much easier than if I have to make dinner. You know how it goes. I'm sure you've experienced that as well. So, I mean, the idea behind it is, you know, myself, little Marky Spender, my best friend, we are going into the forest. We are going to be looking around to see what we can find, see if we can find any new trails, any sort of, of, what do they call them? The the structures that are in the forest. It's just one of those things where that's what we're going to be looking for. And, you know, those encounters, they happen by chance, man. They happen by chance, and they get into a lot of different different meanings. I don't know what they mean. I'm not a professional. I'm not even a researcher. I just like to go out and look. So we're going to try this again with Attila the Attila, can you hear us to, now?
2: Yes, Dave, how are you going? Hey, it's good to talk to you again, my friend. The connection is pretty bad. <laughs>
1: are you are uh, you, likewise Dave. thank you again for having me are you using google chrome or firefox i'm using chrome okay so it shouldn't be too bad then all right so adila yeah, this yeah, this yeah. is your second time on spaced out radio and we're glad to have you here again my mm-hmm. friend what have you been up to since the last time we talked
2: well, um, crikey, uh, yeah, <laughs> quite a fair bit actually, um, and I believe that we talked back. I think it was November, wasn't it? About October, November almost last year, almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, they've since then. I've um, I've released uh, the, the the last documentary film that I did on the Australian Bigfoot. Uh, which is called Tracking the Law. And uh, that's that's been released through uh, through my distributor, Gravitas Ventures, uh, which uh, over in America, over in the States. And uh, so that now could be viewed through a lot of different platforms, even Tubi TV, which I believe is free. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, that was released back in December, and I've had some really good feedback on that. Excellent. Um, so you've been keeping busy. From, yeah.
1: for you sorry dave you
2: dropped out there that's okay
1: that's okay so you've been keeping busy which is good and, and searching for new projects i mean for a lot of people out there especially us in north america who've had bigfoot encounters or bigfoot experiences we know what it's like is there a real difference between what we know as the north american sasquatch comparatively to what the Yowie is
2: Dave, that's a very interesting question and there are a lot of similarities. Um, I, I guess with the way people have seen what the Australian uh, Bigfoot or the Yowie actually looks like, uh, there, there are some very similar descriptions over in America that kind of parallel that. Um, but uh, look, there's, there are some researchers in Australia that do believe that the Australian Yowie is in fact a marsupial ape. So um, if, if that is true, then ultimately that is the point of separation there because the vocalization and the characteristics, they do seem to be very, very similar between what uh, we can hear um, that's coming from, from uh, stateside uh, compared to what uh, people are experiencing here in Australia.
1: Describe the creature to us. What does it look like? How tall does it stand? What, what do its feet look like?
2: Well, look, we do have two, potentially three different types of of Bigfoot that has been witnessed and seen in Australia, but also part of the Australian Indigenous law. And going from the smallest one is what they refer to Okay, Attila,
1: uh, We I don't know if you can hear us or not, but our signal seems to have uh, cut out there momentarily. So hopefully we can catch up with you. I mean, these creatures. The one thing that I could say is that these creatures, uh, in the little that I know about them, they seem to have the similar heights between seven and ten feet. Uh, you know, footprints between sixteen and nineteen, twenty inches long, if if not bigger for the bigger guys a few years ago. Yeah. Attila you cut out on us for about fifteen seconds there.
2: Yes, sorry. So sorry, so going back to um going back to the different types. So we have a smaller version here in Australia known as the Junjadi or Wadagadal in the eastern uh, coast of New South Wales. And they're a very sort of nimble, smaller three foot tall type creature, very intelligent. Um, and they have been witnessed by quite a number of people, including First Nation people here in Australia. So there has been this connection between them, and they also believed to bring a lot of knowledge to the Australian Indigenous culture. And then we have the classical Yowies, which uh, tend to grow up to about anywhere between 10 to 12 foot tall, similar to what Sasquatch or Bigfoot in, uh, in North America uh, tends to be described. But they have very similar characteristics. So you have... Very long fur. Um, some of them appeared to be matted. Some of them appeared to be well kept. Um, the one that my wife saw here in Australia was had a, a reddish brownish fur to it. Um, very, their, their appearances appear to be between, I guess, an ape like a gorilla. Mixed with a human being, so um, the conical head shape. So we have all those classical features that that you you would describe as what Sasquatch looks. So we have those. We have ones with with uh, darker fur. We have ones that uh, that seem to have greyish fur, or appear to be more aged, or perhaps even an elder that's part of uh, a tribal community. And then we have um, what is known, which is which is quite a. Um, a controversial species known as the quincun And these Quincan are the true giants of of the forest. And uh, they have been reported in South Australia and in Queensland. And they are part of, of, of certain law, uh, Indigenous law. But they do grow up to about around 15 foot tall, if not even larger. So they are considered to be the true giants oh, of wow. the forest. And, Some of the uh, descriptions tend to suggest that uh, these Quinkins are more of an aggressive species than what the Yowies are. Um, But then again, you know, those people who tend to bump into these creatures don't live to tell the tale, right? So um, if they are aggressive, that is. (laughs) But um, ultimately, I mean, the aggression, I mean, a lot of people do tend to point the finger and say that these are monsters, especially the Yowies, that they're very aggressive. I think they're just like any other, um, you know, ape-like species. If you catch them on a bad day, um, you know, they're going to make you aware of that. Um, if you're in an area where there are, you know, young'uns, um, especially if there's a female there, then, you know, uh, ultimately they're going to defend their young, they're going to defend their territories. And considering the fact that, you know, we are encroaching onto their hunting grounds, you know, I'm not surprised that they are expressing their, you know, their discomfort and uh, their displeasure uh, towards humanity. So um, I personally don't believe that they're actively going out and hunting people. Um, but then again, you know, like I said before, those people who do encounter cryptids out there that are, you know, uh, dead set on taking out humans, those people aren't around to tell the story.
1: These stories around North America have been told for centuries among First Nations and people who have had uh, amazing encounters with the creatures. How often are these creatures being sighted down
2: there? Uh, Look, it's... uh, All you need to do, I guess, is go to the Australian Yowie Research Site and, and look at their reports. They are... I think they are witnessed more frequently than we tend to think because you work out the ratio of people that who are reporting these sightings opposed to, and this is purely theoretical, uh, opposed to those people who have these experiences but refuse to report these sightings uh, due to the fear of ridicule and so forth. So um, I, I think especially with the fires, I think the fires that happened here in 2019 and 2020 changed a lot of the landscape here, and I do believe that um, these creatures may have uh, perhaps migrated into areas that were reasonably unaffected, and they're not a lot of those, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, I think after COVID, uh, a lot of these creatures may have uh, gained, I guess, confidence in coming closer towards, you know, urban areas. Um, and there have been a fair few reports out there. Um, and, you know, I know some researchers, one particular fellow who's, uh, who's known as Yowie Dan, who appears in both of my documentaries. He's actively out there constantly in the Blue Mountains here in New South Wales on the eastern seaboard of Australia. And he's, he's out there regularly looking for signs to see if they are coming back. So, yeah, there are reports. um, But, you know, I I do believe that there is a steady variation over the years. Some years do tend to produce more reports than others. Um, We are now heading into a drier season here in Australia. So um, we're experiencing an early summer. So right now it's early spring, but we are hitting now in excess of 30 degrees Celsius uh, here in Sydney. So the summers now uh, and the the weather now is or the, the climate now is tending to be more drier than before. So I do believe that they're going to be more active looking for resources such as water and so forth. So now I think is a good time to go out there and, and look for these creatures because I do believe that uh, they will be looking for water sources and so forth. So they will tend to go closer to where there are campsites, closer to where there are urban areas. Um, for them to obviously um, survive the, the the harsh conditions.
1: Do you find that with this creature down there that it, it is very elusive, that it is something that, you know, maybe doesn't want to be seen, doesn't like to be seen, you know, up here, as you know, and you've studied... Around here, there's a big debate on whether or not this creature is a flesh and blood creature, or whether it has some sort of supernatural abilities to cloak itself, or or to just vanish into a, a portal or something along those lines. What's the the hot take on it down there?
2: Look, I mean, I think in Australia we we tend to lean more towards the flesh and blood element of of uh, of the Yawies. And talking and connecting with uh, Indigenous people here, I've learned a great deal, especially with making this documentary film. And you don't get a lot of that. You don't get a lot of stories coming from the Australian Indigenous culture about the Yowies because they don't like talking about it. And the reason why is is because of the ridicule over the years that um, that uh, Westerners have have... Have, have responded or the way they've responded towards Indigenous stories. So, we we tend to believe that they are flesh and blood. Um, in the documentary, one of the elders actually clearly um, makes a, a, a quote on this. And funny enough, the the Yowie that my wife saw was one of those experiences where this thing was squatting, and she was actually doing a ghost hunt at the time, and she was outside. Um, this this facility and this creature was actually squatting next to a bush, which was about almost, uh, I'd say about just under two metres tall. And it was almost as high as the bush whilst it was squatting down. And then when she did a double take, this creature was gone. But she saw it. She saw the fur. She saw how the sunlight was penetrating through the fur. Um, she saw the outline. Um, it was it was a clear visual. So, and a lot of people have had these experiences, but I do believe, and and again, going back to what this elder actually said, that that the the guardians of the land, and this is what they refer them to as the guardians of the land, they will remain as guardians in flesh and blood and in spirit. So interpreting that basically what he's saying is that even though they're flesh and blood now, they are, or a lot of the experiences are flesh and blood, the ones that tend to be more of a spiritual experience are those that have departed or have died, but they do continue with their duties um, of looking after the land, even in the afterlife, as ghosts. So just as people have experiences seeing, you know, relatives that have long departed the physical realm, or even people of a bygone era, you know, why not these Yahweh's as well? Why can't they come back as spiritual beings after they have departed and continue on with, with what they sworn to do whilst in the physical realm? So I do believe that the ones that we do see that vanish or or appear and then disappear like phantoms, I do believe that they are that. I do believe that they are Spirits or ghosts of a once flesh and blood being. And so do these elders that I spoke to. Um, So I do believe that there is a combination of those two. When we start talking about portals and things like that, I I, look, we simply don't have enough information here about that. I know that there have been some encounters and people have reported some uh, sightings that had to do with what appeared to be portals. But I firmly – I believe at this point in time that the, we do have these two elements. We have the spiritual element and we have the physical element. Yeah, it's a debate that's going to continue until
3: more – this season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your health care provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer, and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech
1: information really comes out about this. But I mean, this is a creature that is being seen all around the world. It's in China. It's in Russia. It's in the Ural mountains. It's in uh, the Himalayas by, by, you know, some of the world's tallest peaks. It's in Africa. It's in North America. South America has been seen Australia. It's on every continent that is out there. I mean, do you think we're dealing with just a natural species that? you know is maybe a human wild man that, that that changed its ways thousands of of years ago as man was evolving
2: i do believe that um uh, look i do believe just as humans have adapted to different climates so the migration out of africa that occurred look, I believe about a, what, about a million years ago or so for there about, or a hundred thousand years ago. Uh, I mean, I'm not a paleoanthropologist, so <laughs> I, I can't sort of give you those dates, but the migration out of Africa. So we all came from that same region, but we're all very different depending on where we, where our ancestors come from. So if you're from the Southeast Asian area, you're going to look different to those people who are Let's say uh, who are in Africa or in 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 other parts of Asia or in Europe. So I, I do believe that some of these creatures uh, have have basically adapted to their environments. Like my my heritage, my background is is Hungarian. It's from Central Europe, and even there in in Hungary in Central Europe, they've actually had sightings of lemur-like creatures. And when I say lemur, they actually appear to look like a lemur. But around two meters tall and squatting in a tree with white fur, and that the creature that was sighted, and this is going back about twenty or thirty years ago, uh, in a in a forest in northern Hungary, this creature basically saw these people who were taking a night stroll and leaped from branch to branch and then jumped on the ground and sprinted away. So we have a, I think your description of a wild man or or wild people or forest folk, I uh, think would be, yeah, definitely more of an accurate description. We have
1: about 25 seconds here to go. And when we come back from the break, I really want to know about the aggression of these creatures in your area, because up where I am, they seem to be a lot docile. You go down into the United States near the texas louisiana border. They seem to be a lot more aggressive in that southern panhandle. You know, you go up towards Alaska and the northern reaches of Canada. This uh, creature seems to be growing into that 12 to 20-foot range. So we've heard rumors. There's a lot we need to discuss with our good friend Attila Caldi, the film director, movie maker, out of Sydney, Australia, talking about the Yahweh tonight. We will be back with more Spaced Out Radio when we return right after this. Stay tuned, everybody. We're in for a great show tonight. All right, we are clear, Attila. We are clear. How you
2: going, mate? It's been a little while. It has, man. Good to have you back here. <laughs> Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to be back, mate. Thanks for having me again. Oh, that's things up on your end of the world. Oh, I'm getting
1: excited. Like when when you were kind of breaking up at the beginning of the show there, I was telling everybody I'm heading into the forest this weekend to uh go look for them. you know because wow. I it's hunting season up here right now. And yeah. with yeah. the amount of movement in the forest, uh we're coming up on the one we're two weeks away, three weeks away from the one-year anniversary of uh, us seeing one up here uh, last year. So it's um, mm. it, it's getting to that point where it's kind of interesting to see if we're going to be able to, uh, A, get into our area, which we should, uh, but number two, what else is out there and what else can we find, right? So I'm excited, and uh, we're going to start it up
2: tomorrow. Oh that sounds fantastic mate. It, um yeah, I hope you guys actually get something while you're out there. I'm hoping. I'm hoping.
1: I got my uh my trained eyes and my and my 10-year-old son who uh he actually saw the <laughs> creature with us uh, last year. So Oh wow. Uh, yeah. That was pretty exciting for him. He he kind of blows it mm. off nonchalantly. Like my my boy is so much not like me because he uh mm. he, he's very uh he he doesn't get too high and he doesn't get too low. He's kind of like really, mm. really, really, uh, I don't want to call him mellow, but kind of, like when I ask him, Hey buddy, tell everybody, tell, you know, dad's friend here about the Sasquatch. We saw. Yeah, we saw it. It's like, really? Yeah. Like, really? Can you describe it? Maybe go into some detail. Nope. He's just, yeah, we mm. saw it. I saw it. It was cool. You know, and that's it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Gosh. You don't know how hard it is to say you've seen one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah, Well, that's that's just the way he perceives it, I guess. We all we all have our own way of perceiving. Oh, these very things When we have an experience, you know. Very yeah. true. But good on him. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, question for you. Yeah. How's my audio?
1: Your audio is perfect.
2: Oh, good, excellent. All right, Fantastic. yeah, your audio. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, I had perfect. to close the cam off. Um, that's okay. Uh, Klaus rang me up and said, "Look, if if I can do that, that you know, if I need to do that, it's okay." And it looks like it's actually um, reduced the amount of data that I'm chewing up. So, yeah, not a problem, my man. Not a problem. You know,
1: it sucks we can't have you on camera because you're a handsome devil, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all right.
2: <laughs> Good on
1: you. <laughs> That's all right. We got you. That's the
2: main thing is you're here. So, now thanks mate. Yeah. yeah. I uh, saw you on a TV series with these ladies uh doing a, a run Oh yeah, in America, yeah, yeah. Now uh, my wife and I were watching. Because, hey, this is Dave, it was great. <laughs> you know, it's that, quite a good little series.
1: Yeah, right where they filmed that. That's about three miles from my house, where the studio is right now. And I actually, wow. I actually do a a ghost tour to raise money for that museum uh, every two weeks. Mm. And I think we, I think we've raised. We started in July this year. And I think mm-hmm. we've raised four thousand dollars for the museum this year Mate, so that's far. That's good
2: money. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and we donate a hundred percent. We don't keep any profit. And mm. and mm. it's uh you know, we've been getting good crowds, like our smallest crowd has been 35 people we've we've also been doing private tours so if people want private tours it costs them like Mm. our tour is about 25 dollars a person we do it for oh that's pretty good yeah we we, people are shocked at how long it is like we really take our time with people and try and get them an experience and and um you know our tour is two and a half to three hours and
2: yeah, and we're yeah. only
1: going in five of the ten building five of the eight buildings, nine buildings that are on their property, but uh that mm, barn that mm. barn that you saw uh with that yep. photograph remember the photograph right at the beginning?
2: yeah, yeah, uh,
1: okay. that dude has attacked me, really, yeah, he's attacked me, he's attacked my buddy, so um, when they went on the catwalk to go look for him. Uh, I had to, Mm. before the show, I had to go talk to him to make sure that he would be okay with it. Because otherwise, Mm. otherwise he he doesn't like people on his catwalk and he will attack. And uh, it's not fun because that bastard knows his own strength on the other side. Yeah,
2: I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you do bump into things like that every now and then. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, bear with me. We've got about fifteen seconds left. Hey everybody and welcome Toothbrush. How you doing? Uh don't forget the super chat is open. Thank you to Mike for kicking things off tonight and the Space Travelers Club still looking for new members. Here's the link. <laughs> Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. way. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate bringing the woo to you. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, our archives are always free. We'll never charge for them. YouTube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. The only thing I ask for, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. And you can listen to us on any major podcast network. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Google Play, and every major podcast network in between. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag, follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. Attila Caldi is here. He's a filmmaker out of Sydney, Australia, chasing down the ever-famous Yowie. And Attila, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Very much appreciate any chance we get to talk with you here, man.
2: Thanks for having me, Dave. Much appreciated.
1: I want to talk about the aggressiveness of this creature. Because up here in North America where i live it's known more as a docile creature doesn't want really anything to do with humans but very curious it'll come up sneak up on you and maybe just watch what you're doing if you're having a fire and or uh, you're you got kids playing around like when i go out in the forest i i try and bring my son all the time because you know how kids play and they're laughing on their own and they're you know they're hooting and howling and that seems to draw them in here down south when you get into Some of those areas that are a little bit more violent, like the the bayous of Louisiana or the swamps of Florida, you get into a more aggressive, smaller creature who seems to, to really, really try and challenge people who are witnessing it. Yet, if you go up to northern reaches of Canada and up towards Alaska, the creature seems to get a lot larger and a lot more hard to see, but a lot more angry as well for its territory. What's the creature like down there?
2: Well, there, there is a, a variation of different reports. So uh, we, we ultimately, it's very similar again, where the Ziawis tend to avoid human contact at all costs. So uh, as soon as, you know, there've been quite a few sightings where people have actually seen basically just the back of them as they walk away in the forest. It's like they just don't want to have anything to do with humans. Um And I, I can understand why, uh, and it's you know, if, if we go back and look at what uh, colonialization did here to the native folk, I think that there is an element of storytelling there. And this is just my theory, but um, I, I do believe that these stories are echoed through not just through the indigenous community, but through these forest folk as well. So and I do believe that history has left this stain. And it's a permanent stain, and um, I do believe that that may well be one of many reasons why these uh, creatures, these forest folk, tend to avoid humans. But I've I have experienced their aggression um, back uh, in 2013 when I, I was hiking uh, into the Blue Mountains down into the valley. Uh, not far from uh, Katoomba where the Three Sisters are. And I think a lot of people know or have heard of the Three Sisters because it's one of the iconic geographical, um, you know, uh, places uh, or should I say monuments built by nature um, in Australia. But when we did go out into the valley, and this was back in April 2013, uh, we were in an area um, where ultimately, not well, you don't get people down there at night time. So as soon as darkness starts to fall, all the hikers basically venture out, uh, climb out of the, the valley and get into their cars and go home. Uh, only people who actually camp in designated campsites, and these designated campsites, if you could imagine, you're basically walking parallel to this massive cliff. It's a it's, it's essentially like a rainforest. You have got these tall ferns, big canopies of gum trees and, uh, and fern trees alike, and it does get pretty dark in certain spots there even during the day. So you're basically walking around the edge of this big cliff and... Um, and as you as you're heading towards the valley it, the the forest tends to get denser there's more water down there so um you don't get many people that actually venture off the trail so there are a couple of spots off the trail but in this particular night um uh, we were alone so there was uh, three of us there um actually four counting myself and as the wind picked up, we could actually hear movement between the trees. And these movements were on a high ground. So, And it also appeared to be coming in from both ends. So we had this movement, which seemed to be quite a heavy movement, coming from the high ground. And above us, there were a couple of fallen out trees. But there was also a platform out there where, you know, anyone or anything could roam. But you could feel the heaviness of this thing moving because there's there's a lot of compacted, um, uh, you know, debris like leaves and bark and so forth. So when something heavy is moving, you could basically feel it vibrate throughout the ground and this thing did that. And as the wind picked up, the movements became more intense and then we started hearing movements from both sides, not just from the high ground but both to the left and right-hand sides of us and then these trees all these sticks were launching above our heads like missiles and then this big rock probably the size of a of a a softball probably even larger just landed right next to me and that's when we decided to well we got to get up and leave because someone's going to get killed because that rock if that would have hit any one of us uh, in the right place it would have been all over so as we're walking out, we could feel and hear this thing like a almost like a gorilla, like a silverback, displaying its aggressive sort of stance and pounding the ground and throwing debris up in the air. You could almost see it through the sound. That's what it felt like. Every single movement this thing did, and it was heavy. It was a big fellow that that, that displayed its aggression. It was thumping the ground really hard and throwing debris up in the air and that was it. Uh, and we thought, yeah, okay, we're, we're not welcome here anymore. Even after that rock was thrown and the sticks being thrown through the air, that was kind of the, the icing on the cake. And we, my daughter was with me there at the time, so um, we basically packed and left. And as we're walking out, uh, we could hear, even on the lower ground, these guys were paralleling us. So the big fellow up the top end, he was walking and he was making himself known. So he wasn't being discreet by any means. He was smashing through the the trees and the the branches and everything else on the top end. And on the lower end, we could hear movement as well. So they were making sure that we were being escorted out and not coming back. Um, And as we started making our way up the side of the cliff, um, that was it the The escort stopped right there, and they knew that we were leaving that area so i on my end, that was a classic display of an aggressive stance of aggression, but i don't think that these guys wanted to kill us, but they were giving us- a w- enough warning signs to making us aware that look, if you push any further, things can get very, very real for you
1: you know you know i'm I'm nodding my head here. Because in 2018, almost the same thing happened to us up here. Wow. And and believe you me, and I'm sure you'll smile when I say this for our audience, there is no more eerie feeling than knowing you cannot see these creatures, but you can hear them and they are around you and they are pushing you to the direction they want you to go. It's not about where you want to go. It's about where they want you to go to get you out of their territory.
2: It's creepy, man. It's absolutely insane. I am nodding intensely. <laughs> absolutely. 110%, mate. You've, I think you've nailed it on the head. And and this is where the correlation or the comparison uh, comes in between the Yowies and the North American and Canadian versions of um oh, yeah. of of Bigfoot you know and the sasquatch so look it's it's incredible because um th- there are so many similarities between the two, and it's almost like that they come from the same genus they they they, they basically come from the same evolutionary tree or branch if we want to call it that
1: oh yeah. Yeah, when you had your encounter with being escorted out if we could say that politely. Uh did did you hear did you hear them vocally at all?
2: No, but funny you should mention that because we did take trips back to that same location over and over again. And there were times when you could hear them pacing us. So again, there was mm-hmm. one on the high side and one on the low side, and they were walking in parallel with us. And as we stopped before we started to ascend upwards to get out of the valley, we could hear whistling. We can hear uh, clicking, like with the with the tongue. Um, and there's this is coming from a dense bushland. I mean, no human without you know without night vision. Uh, could actually go into these into these forests, and we're talking about very dangerous terrain here. One wrong move, and yeah, you you basically stumble down, and you can you can kill yourself doing that. You know, it's there are some parts that are very very steep and very loose surfaces. So whoever was paralleling us, they knew that terrain like the back of their hand. Um, so. Without doubt, I I do believe that what we were experiencing then back in 2013 was similar to my very first encounter back in uh, 2007 when we were being escorted out again from a completely different side of the Blue Mountains. Um, Again, very aggressive, the whole thing. They wanted to make sure that we were herded out and that was more herding back in 2007 Mm -hmm. because... I don't know if I told you that story, but um, we were on a, a UFO expedition and we found this beautiful vantage point overlooking what's known as the Baragrang Valley. And this Baragrang Valley is, is if you see it, it takes your breath away. You're on this high spot. And you have this massive open valley surrounded by this endless mountain range of jagged rocks and brutal cliff faces. But down in the valley, you have this dense forest and you have this river snaking into this, um, this, uh, this lake called Lake Barragarang, And it's just beautiful. When you have the right spot, you have clear blue skies. It's westerly facing as you're looking towards this area. But we, we had a massive rock thrown at us again one night while we were actually sky watching and landed right next to this lady. And the following day, we were debating whether or not we should we should stay there or not. There was more to the story. But coming to the, the, the crux of what happened, as we left at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it was between 5 and 5.30 of September, and that's
3: early spring
2: here. So the sun kind of sets around 5.30.
3: This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer, and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your health care provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go
4: 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com
2: six o'clock and it gets dark around six as we're walking out you know we're surrounded by again these ferns and that's when we started hearing again being paralleled and these guys were basically hitting the trees and it was like bulldozers i've never in my life felt such force in a forest and these things were moving like machines and Mm -hmm. hitting the trees with these big sticks and these sticks were, when they hit it, they were echoing and we were going so fast, one of the guys actually had an anxiety attack. In fact, we first thought that he was having a heart attack because of the stress. And that was a, that was probably the only time in my life when I first thought, this is it, I'm not going to make it out alive out of here because what's going on here, there's no chance in here we're going to survive this. But regardless, we... we we carried on and we got out, but that was another display of aggression and being herded or escorted out. But I think it was more hurting because they were hitting the trees from both sides, making sure that we're, move along, get out. We don't want you here.
1: You know, and once again, I'm I'm nodding in agreeance because in 2018, uh, what started our encounter was we heard that gibberish type, what they call samurai chatter in the forest. Yeah. And we were yeah. on a paranormal investigation when this happened, and because the area where we were was one of it, well it's considered canada's largest unsolved mass murder, and it's still an open case today and in nineteen sixty five an airplane flying over our area had a a bomb on it that blew up the plane, and all fifty two passengers and crew were killed in like thirty miles from from my house. And so when we went in there to do the paranormal investigation in 2018, we didn't expect Sasquatch. And we went in armed and my, uh, my buddy Mark who, uh, who I'll be going out with tomorrow. He never believed in the creature until he had something bipedal coming at him through the trees while the other one had snuck up behind my buddy Merle by about 15, 20 feet, if that. Wow. And I'm caught in the middle. And where's the exit? It's in between us on the way out. And believe it or not, we actually went back this past summer to that area to with a camera crew to film a a, a potential television pilot. And we were there at night. And God is my witness. I I, I got to be very careful with what I say here. Um, but God is my witness. I will never go back there at night again. Again. I was absolutely petrified. We had everything that you could imagine happening to us on those two nights of shooting out there. And, yeah, our friend showed up. One of his friends was way, like... Mile, a couple miles away, and you know that big long roar that that you hear mm. on that we had the big long roar happen. It was absolutely creepy, creepy, and that's incredible. Yeah,
2: so I am. Uh, so, what do you think that happened, or why do you think they did that?
1: I have a theory. And I don't know if it it works down there, okay? But I have a theory after hosting so many of these shows and talking to so many researchers that these creatures seem to pop up around areas of tragedy a lot. Mm. Okay? And considering that we are at a place where 52 people died, I strongly believe that they are protectors of that land. Now, I know that sounds a little bit more woo than maybe that that you're used to, but I I strongly believe that there is a a real tie between a lot of these creatures and places of death. Uh, there's a lot of Sasquatch and dogman sightings, you know, around cemeteries. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Why are we in the middle of a forest where there is literally one enclosed road access? And when I say enclosed, like you're not going to get a big truck in there. Okay. You need an ATV or you need a smaller Jeep type vehicle in order to get in there. You know, you're not just going to, um, you know, have a, a, you know, a giant SUV or or pickup truck get into these areas. And... Hmm. And I think these these creatures are, in my opinion, are have a at least some sort of spiritual sense to take care of these hallowed lands. Now, is it true or not? I don't know. It's just a theory, but it makes me wonder.
2: It's a very interesting point, Dave. Really is because um, some of these places that um, that there have been. Uh, encounters here in australia i believe uh tied to you know incidences going back to uh colonization so i mean i think you could be onto something yeah
1: now I, i like i said i don't know but you know what everything starts with a theory i could be wrong or it could be right there's no in between you know, but it, well, that's it, right. it's something It's something for you, like even down there, when you talk to your friends and fellow researchers, just ask them that question. How many sightings around places of tragedy do we have?
2: Mm. And that's something I will be definitely asking because uh, it would be interesting to see what ratio actually does connect these sightings to places of, you know, of tragedy, as you say.
1: Absolutely absolutely so the creatures that were chasing you out did they ever give you a look
2: at them because ours didn't no no the only the there are two times that i've actually seen personally these creatures and one again was in the early 2000s, we were doing a another night watch up up in one of the mountains. And um, as I was walking back to the vehicle at nighttime, uh, I had a very cheap little Gen 1 monocular with me. So I was using that as a guide to to walk my way um, towards the car because I didn't want to lose my night sight. So once I turned the torch on, that's it. You know, you lose your night sight if, if you... Um, you know, if you want to turn back off again, and you're sort of thumbling around, half blind. So I was, I was using the um, the monocular with one eye, and um, and and as I was walking through the track, there was this big shadow that was standing at the end of this trail. Now this trail was fairly straight, and it would have been about probably about 20 meters from where I stood, and this thing basically towered over the the trees there, the tea trees, and the, the trees were quite. They were quite high. I mean, I'm about 6'3, six, 6'4, six, so they were about, probably about, you know, maybe maybe a, a couple of, sort of, maybe an arm's length, sorry, not an arm's length, but about another, probably about another foot or so taller than me. But this thing basically towered over there and was just standing there. It was just an outline, a dark outline. And I backed off and I ran back to camp and I told the guys, I said, look, you know, there's something massive standing and this is before my interest in yaois and and so forth i was very sort of focused on the whole ufo scene at the time and and the guys got up and then we all walked obviously torches on and and you know looking around and seeing what we were, we were trying to identify what we saw in one guy so it's probably the local homeless guy and i thought what, geez we're about 20 kilometres away from the nearest house in the in the wilderness here, I don't think that there would be a homeless guy, especially that big standing there. And even if it was a homeless guy, he would have suffered from gigantism and probably had a high protein diet because of the way he looked. So um, we were looking around and we couldn't find him. And that was the only time, the first time that I saw it. And the second time during the day in that same valley, I was, uh, my daughter was still young and we were going on a hike and Again, there was this dark shadow that was sort of walking between the trees, and uh, we noticed that my daughter stopped and she was saying, hey, Dad, look at that. There's this dark shadow human thing walking between the trees. So those were the only two times that I actually physically saw them, but I, I, it wasn't clear enough for me to see you know, uh, or give a, a proper or clear description of the characteristics of these creatures. It was mainly just an outline.
1: Well, you know the, the outlines can be just as scary. You know did he, did they have any smell? Did they have any odor no. that was going on? See, neither. I've never. Everybody always talks about this smell. I've never had the smell when they've been around.
2: There was a time when, again, uh, we were on a night watch and a uh, sky watch up in the mountains, and we did smell. It, it smelled like. Wet wool. That was the only way I can describe it. And again, we were out in the middle of nowhere, so there weren't any sheep or anything like that around. There weren't any farms or anything. It was all—it's a national parks area with dense woodland, and we're basically sitting on this outcrop on this cliff, overlooking a a valley there with a really good vantage point. And I I do remember this would have been around two thousand and three, two thousand and four. And we smelt this very strong odor. And they did smell like wet wool. But that was the only time I actually smelt something like that.
1: Well, let's hope it doesn't smell in hour number two here of Spaced Out Radio when we return. (laughs) Our great guest, Attila Kaldi, is here tonight all the way from Sydney, Australia, talking about the Yowie and other monsters that are among the Aussies. Yeah, we will get into more because everything in Australia wants to kill you. Whether it's on land or in water or in the rivers or in the ocean, everything wants to kill you down there. We will continue on Spaced Out Radio right after this. So let's continue to have some fun with Attila Caldi and Yowie stories right here on the Mighty S.O.R. Stay tuned. Hour 2 is next.
2: All right, man. We
1: are clear.
2: Awesome. Hi. Hey, uh, just out of interest, um, have you interviewed John Kershaw by any chance from Creepers Cryptid? No. Um, he had a dogman encounter here in Australia. I actually took a photo of it, which appears oh, wow. in, um, in tracking the law at the end. Um, so if you want uh, someone from down under uh on your show talking about dogman encounter this guy's actually got an image and he's happy to share it wow the dog man uh and it did appear in in the documentary so i actually went to the site and and did some site measurements and everything well, that'd else be and great. it's quite interesting that'd be mm. great
1: yeah get his information to dirty filth and uh yeah i will yeah. yeah let's track him down guys i'm gonna be right back dirty filth we're turning it over to you and your beautiful art so don't forget to turn your microphone on
5: I did forget to turn my microphone on this time. Hi, Attila. How's it going?
2: <laughs> good, mate. How are you? Oh, not bad. That's good. That's good. Hey, look. Cool. Uh, again, thank you so much for that. For that. Um, for that uh, painting of yours, that drawing. It was. It was fantastic.
5: That, that, no worries. I get, I'll get another one. I'll send to you here too.
2: Because oh, lovely. So. Uh, every every time someone comes to my office, they actually that's the first spot they actually go to, so that's a. F- an awesome picture. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, this this time I'm drawing a yaoi inside a UFO. The two gray aliens are talking and the one guy's saying, you left the keys in the ignition again. they going to say, oh, nice. my bad. Nice, nice, well, Luckily, nice. they probably don't know how to fly a UFO, so we should be good on well, that end.
2: Yeah, they they're, they could fumble around a little bit and maybe nosedive it into something. You know what was
5: interesting you said earlier was the – Phantom spirit aspect mm. of them that was because I kind of thought, you know, if humans can have a ghost, and why shouldn't something else that's intelligent enough and flesh and blood? And that yeah, was that was pretty interesting. I had to scribble a little bit of notes down there,
2: yeah. It's, um, you know, funny enough, it and that was underlined by, like I said, the the indigenous elders actually talk about the um the guardians or the police of the forest and and they say that whether or not they're in the afterlife or in the flesh and blood they still you know show their respect and these are the the indigenous people um because they're afraid of them um uh, they actually there's a story that goes on that many thousands of years ago the indigenous people and the yao actually made a pact uh, a contract that uh, the yaoes would be the guardians of the land, and the indigenous folk would manage the the land, and um, and that was broken when uh, colonisation happened here. And uh, some elders who actually know that story are afraid to go into the wilderness because of what the Yawis might do. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I've, There's a I've lot of a interesting friend. stories.
5: I got a friend that's uh indigenous here in Canada and he's he's always got a lot of stories and they're always they're they're from his elders and they pass them down orally through through generations and you know, he came on the mm. show one day and he just starts talking about them oh, well, willy really nimby namby pamby and everyone's Dave's like, Whoa, hold on a second, like the buffalo headed people? And he's like, Oh yeah, and they fight the like and it was just how matter of fact he was about it and how that they had had similar things where people were assigned or make pacts or whatever to watch over areas. That's mm. I, There's a lot people need that can learn from the like indigenous that have been there, you know, they've experienced all these things for generations, thousands of years. And then, you know, you just show up in a place and expect, you know, you
2: you're confused about how things work. Anyways, I'm rambling. Absolutely. No 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 you you're hundred percent right because they have an intimate knowledge of the land and the the creatures that live there you know um, and uh, I actually spoke to uh, because one of these elders became a good friend of mine, so we we every now and then we go down south and we sort of go to their property and I was just talking to him and because this whole dogman thing I mean for me the dogman. Uh, creature fits in well with Europe and, and, and the Americas because of the wolves. And maybe maybe they are a descendant of, of the dire wolves in some shape or form. I don't know. Um, but in Australia, it doesn't really make sense. Um, I mean, we do have dingoes here, but they're not... We never had massive dingoes. But the only large marsupial creature that could resemble a dogman was the marsupial lion. Um and and that was something I brought up with this elder, and I said, "Is it possible that these marsupial lions may still be around and may have adapted to the land so well that they're able to walk on t- legs?" And his response was, "He says we know that they're around, um, but he says anything's possible. Wow. Adaptation to a new environment um, can can potentially be possible." And apparently, they went extinct about forty to fifty thousand years ago.
1: Right. Right, wow. That's amazing. Amazing. Well
2: known as carnifex, so the largest marsupial predator ever to live. We have about uh, 30
1: seconds here, so I'm just going to take on over here and uh, thank you, Dirty Filth and Attila. Uh, thank you to Mike and Cat Chaser for the great super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do. The super chat is open, and you can also join our Space Travelers Club on patreon as we speak come join us it's a lot of fun over there and you can do your shopping at spacedoutradio.com here we go everybody with the next hour
6: you're listening to spaced out radio with
1: dave scott follow dave on twitter at spaced out radio and on facebook spaced out radio show here we go. Hour number two is now underway of Spaced Out Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio. Talk Stream Live. And KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us, will you, at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Jarvie. Jarvie is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. We continue talking Down Under with our good friend Attila Kaldi, who's a filmmaker and documentarian out of Sydney, Australia, who's chasing down the monsters on his continent. We've been talking about the Yowie and other creatures, and we're going to continue on right now. Attila, welcome back to Spaced Out Radio. Thank you, Dave. Before we go into the Yowie a little bit more, I want to ask you just about this, because this creature totally, totally, I believe, is still out there and that is the Tasmanian tiger. I I really do believe that it is still out there and and roaming around. What do you think?
2: Oh, I I completely agree. I mean, um funny she actually asked me that question because uh a couple of weeks ago I was actually talking to a good friend of ours, and then she brought up a, uh, a sighting of um, of a Tasmanian tiger. She had in Tasmania, in the southern part of the island. Uh, she was riding on a motorbike, and they are doing a, a bike tour around Tasmania. And they just happened to pull over to the side of the road, and uh, she um, she basically just stepped off to stretch her legs, and and right in front of her, this uh, striped creature. Well, the hind. The hind end was obviously striped, so the back end of this creature was striped. But it was very sort of um, very sleek looking, uh, brownish sort of greyish fur, and it just seemed to have galloped along into the bush. And, um, you know, it just had that classic resemblance of a Tasmanian tiger. So um, no, 100%. Uh, they've seen them on mainland in Australia. Um, they've had a lot of sightings in Tasmania. Um, so look, to be honest, I do believe that they are out there. They're just a very, very shy creature.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at it, this creature is supposed to be extinct since 1931. We're coming up on a century of that pretty quick here. And I, I just, I don't know why. I just believe this one is still out there because Australia just, and the islands around just have so much remote land and remote areas for something like this to easily hide You know, I mean, would I be wrong on that theory?
3: This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer, and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One-year upgrade on Go5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com.
2: Not at all, no. I mean, there's there's impenetrable bushland here. I mean, to give you an idea, there is this green belt that goes from the tip of Queensland, northern end of, of Australia, all the way down to Victoria. And you can actually follow this green belt without being seen or without bumping into, you know, housing or, or anything like that. So it's a natural greenbelt and you can actually follow that. So, and there are places there that are impenetrable. Like there, there are mountain ranges that just simply unforgiving and uh, some very, very remote locations. And it is quite possible that there are these creatures and other creatures that we believe that have long been extinct can potentially live out there. I mean, an example for a, uh, an example, sorry, is the Woolamai pine, which was discovered in the 1990s. Now, this pine actually comes from a part of the Blue Mountains and it's in a gully there that uh, was only sighted accidentally in the 90s by, I think, the national parks. And it these the Woolamai pine dates back to over 65 million years ago to the Cretaceous period when dinosaurs ruled the earth. So um that 's how long this species have been around, and it was long thought to have been extinct but no we've they, they exist so again look it this is just a classic example of of something that that exists in a remote part of the wilderness, and there are many areas there that humans have not have have haven't been to because of the remoteness and because of the uh, of the terrain so yeah, definitely what do you think the
1: numbers are? On this creature, do you think there's 100 of them, 50 of them, 200, 500 that are just in these sporadic locations and, you know, trying to rebuild their own species?
2: I couldn't give you a number, but what I can say that there is a decent population considering the widespread um uh, reports that have been coming in. And these reports have been coming in from anywhere all over the east coast of Australia. There have been sightings in Western Australia, South Australia, and naturally in Tasmania. So for for these sightings to occur all around the continent, there has to be a decent population out there. And these are only the ones that we're seeing, uh, not counting the ones, obviously, which is impossible at this point in time, of those that we're not seeing. Are people
1: in Australia, Tasmania, are they quite protective now of this creature where if they do see it, they're not reporting it because they just want to leave it alone to try and hopefully see it come back?
2: Well, there's definitely a conservation element to it and there are people who who think that way and I have great respect for those people because the last thing you need is reporting these animals at a specific location and, and having, you know, um, who knows who going in there and interfering with their habitat. So, um, yeah, definitely th- there is an element of conversation, uh, 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 conservative or con- cons- I've lost my words. <laughs> uh, there's an element of, of uh, protection, um, definitely. Um, but, um, look, uh, at the end of the day, there are other, people out there who who will report it um, and there are those who um, who who simply misidentify it for something else and we have to we have to also accept the fact that there is a lot of misidentifications out there so um, what portion or what ratio we're looking at i mean it's anyone's guess but um, have, uh, there's, it, look there's definitely there's definitely an element of protection there's no doubt about that
1: have there been any videos that you have seen? that have convinced you that this creature is still
2: 100% alive? There there have been some videos that have been taken, um, but again, they're very unclear. So it look, a, a smoking gun is very, very hard to get because these sightings happen at random. And when you see these things, you try to... You know, you try to decode what you're seeing because it's you're looking at. You think, well, it looks like a fox, but it's it doesn't move like a fox. Is it a wild dog? I don't know what this is. And by the time you think, crikey, I've got to grab my camera or my phone out to take a film. Look, this thing is long gone anyway. And a lot of these, a lot of these videos are done with very low resolution cameras, or even with a phone. And even if you zoom in, I mean, these cameras have got very small sensors. Um, and you're not going to get the best video out of them. Uh, so, um, look, at this point in time, I don't feel that we do have a smoking gun, but if, if we do have one, that I don't think it's been displayed to the public yet.
1: Mm-hmm. What would it mean to your area, to your country, and so on and so forth, the entire Australasia area, if all of a sudden this creature was found to be alive?
2: Oh, um, I think that would open up a whole new can of worms, to be honest. Um, to give you an idea, the Black Panther in Australia, um, I have a good friend of mine who um, who is part of a faculty, part of a university, and they were ready to go public with a confirmation that the Black Panther is in fact alive and living in certain regions of Australia and in the last hour, I think, of actually going to the media or press to to make this declaration. It was an official declaration. would have been an official declaration. Uh, someone put a stop to it. So, look, I, I do feel that it would open up a whole new can of worms and I think it would come down to environmental protection. I think it would affect uh, a lot of industries out there, especially the logging industry. Um, I think conservation would be uh Would be what we would consider as as proper land and and environmental conservation, I think the law would change because uh the environmentalists, especially those people who are responsible for protecting our environment and our forestry uh would have to sit down and would have to rework their um, uh their um their laws and, uh, and the way we consider what land conversation truly means. So there would definitely be a major change, I think, in our regulations um, and I think that uh, it would be a very expensive exercise, but I think there would be a snowball effect and it would affect a lot of industries. The thing is, though, you just don't know how this would affect things like the tourist industry as well, um, how it would affect real estate because how do these people... How do people respond to, you know, to a uh, an official declaration that something that's believed to have gone extinct now roams the wilderness? Um, and if, if a confirmation like a confirmation like that would get out, we, we simply don't know how the public would react to it and how that would affect, you know, uh, our economy. So mm, it's it's a very interesting question, and I think there, a lot of the responses would be very delicate ne never, never mind poaching
1: because the minute you know that that you come back and say this this creature is real, that opens up a a whole big door for poachers looking for that you know instant multi million dollar paycheck in order to uh get one for some you know uh narcissist collection.
2: Absolutely, and I think also uh, uh, largely, I think, trafficking overseas for something like this into certain countries would have an extreme value. Um, so, oh, absolutely, I think, you know, poaching is is just one of many issues, I think, that would be raised. So even if there was confirmation through, or even if they do have, um, you know, uh, evidence, and I'm talking about universities here and officials, Uh, even if they do have evidence of habitats and and if they do have, or if they have captured uh, these creatures in the wild and they are studying them, I don't think that they're going to um, bring this out into the open anytime soon.
1: Is there a push to get the Yaoi and its fellow creatures like it uh, under some
2: sort of protection order as well? Uh, The... The way the YOW is, is looked at and considered is it's very different to what it is, say, in the Americas, because in Australia, it's 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 still a topic of, of extreme, um, you know, debate. And uh, um, the national parks, they know about their existence. Uh, some official um, governmental bodies know about their existence. They do everything in their power to make sure that the information doesn't get out. Uh, they make sure that, you know... And I solely believe that there are times that when they shut these national parks or sections of the national parks off um, due to either roadworks or, or other, you know... Um, for other reasons, and it may may to do may have to do with landslides and so forth that would endanger those people who are visiting. But look, sometimes you go into these regions that were closed off for six months, and you look for any kind of roadworks or anything like that, and there's no sign or evidence of that actually happening or happen in the past. So it's quite possible that they do. Um, shut certain areas of the national parks off, maybe to do with migration, um, maybe to do with other re- or for other reasons we don't know. But what we do know is that there are rangers out there that have that, are, that do know and have seen these creatures out in the wilderness, but uh, they're, they're definitely not willing to go, um, you know, uh, willing to go um, in front of a camera or, or go you know, or make official statements about it. I have a few
1: questions from our audience uh, coming on
2: in.
3: This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your health care provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year
4: upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com
1: in here i'd like to get some of them in let's start off with sovereign here who is asking what types of yaoi stick structures have you found and what type of wood was used were they made with bamboo or something different
2: well bamboo is not an indigenous um uh uh, tree or, or or plant in australia um but the t- tree structures that we've seen, and we, we've actually encountered a lot of these tree structures, and that was in the first uh, Yowie documentary that I did, Track Search for Australia's Bigfoot. Uh, some of the tree structures were were, were unbelievable, um, and one particular one, which uh, which is a poster that I've made, and that was a photo that I took of one tree structure. It was in the shape of a of a of the letter T. So what you had is one part of the tree, or half of the tree, was actually ripped. Off and the top section was placed on top and very, very well balanced now, this tree was massive i mean it was i mean you know it was probably about a diameter of about thirty centimeters, maybe even more uh, so when I say massive, it was quite big, considering you know for a human to actually do something like that would be virtually impossible so this this tree was was basically. Uh, snapped in half, and the top part of it, which was still quite large, was placed across the the top section in a, in a form of a letter T. Um, we we have uh, the X's here as well, which I understand it's something that um, that has been uh, witnessed over over your side, Dave. Um, so there are these X's. So these X's have been placed in certain areas. Tree breaks, um, and a lot of these trees are either eucalyptus or tea trees. So they are they are indigenous trees that have uh, that have been, I guess, have been utilised to create these structures. But these are some of the more common structures, and the most common one I, I do believe are tree breaks. So your your standard tree breaks pointing in a certain direction and X's. Wow,
1: yeah, we I found a lot of X's. Around here, but you got to be careful with those because you you don't want you know to forget that Mother Nature can can do some pretty amazing things with with on her own with uh, with trying to you know make these X's with blowing trees down and weaving them into other areas. It's it's kind of interesting how mm. you, you just have to be able to watch. I mean, the ones we found in our Sasquatch area, you could actually see at the top that they were interwoven between two, three trees, you know, so it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to see how that played out compared to just trees that fell into that area. You know what I'm saying?
2: Absolutely. And I mean, this is something that you always have in the back of your mind. Is this a natural occurrence? So ultimately whoever's doing the research will look around and see what kind of trees are close by and, um, you know is there a possibility that these branches could have just fallen down? Another interesting one that's come to mind is that tr- uh, tree sticks so sticks have actually been wedged deep into the ground, uh, and these seem to be markers that we've we've discovered um, over in in certain areas where there seems to have been activity. Now there was one particular spot that there was a lot of these, and that was when we were filming this Ranyari research where they had the thermal image or thermal video. of of two Yowies, Um, and as we were sort of following these guys uh, to the location, they actually pulled us over and said, okay, well, over there you can actually see these Uh, sticks being shoved into the ground and as you walk up these thin these thin sticks have actually been forcefully pushed in so when you have something falling off a tree obviously due to the weight of it it's not going to have a lot of weight and even if it falls down um and and does stick into the ground if the soil is quite soft i mean okay it might stick in about an inch maybe if you're lucky but these things were rammed in deep so yeah um they were quite interesting structures to, well, markers rather than structures uh, that we discovered.
1: Do you have a lot of trees down there that are turned up, like pulled, rooted, and turned upside down and shoved back in the ground?
2: I personally haven't seen anything like that. Almost doesn't mean that it has actually happened, but I don't know of any. No, mainly what we have seen with large trees where they've actually been basically uh, like that. T structure that I explained to you earlier, yes. basically placing one tree on top of another, almost like a seesaw. We have seen that. That's incredible.
1: Incredible. Attila Caldi is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. we got three minutes to go before we have to go to break. At the bottom of the hour, let's get to another question here. Uh, it's a UFO question from our UFO whistleblowers friend. Do you think they are manufacturing UFOs underground in Australia?
2: Well, um, it's a possibility. I mean, UFOs are essentially unidentified flying objects, so we don't particularly know what they are, but um, there's a good chance that it may, may happen here. I mean, um, just like we there's Area 51 in the States, I mean, we have very similar things over here as well in Australia. So anything's possible.
1: Well, I mean, you do have Pine Gap, and the high
2: strangeness on that.
1: Have you ever really sat down and investigated Pine Gap?
2: No, but I think Pine Gap is one of those places that you just don't really want to get involved in because it's it that is more on a level of national security. Um, it's it's more. I think that. I don't believe that they're manufacturing anything that we would classify as as, as an unidentified flying object or flying sources or anything that appeared to be or appear to look foreign in nature. Uh, I, I do believe that they're, they're more radio-based and communications-based rather than a physically creating or back-engineering technology. Right. Okay.
1: Have there been any uh, Yowies uh, noticed around Pine Gap and other military bases?
2: That's a good question. (laughs) I really don't know how to answer that because I don't believe so, no. But I I do know that uh, some military people have bumped into these creatures in military training grounds, but these military training grounds are heavily forested uh, areas. Some of them are rainforests and some of them are, are very remote. Love it. Love it. Okay, we
1: got time for one or two more questions here. Let's go to Sovereign again. Have you noticed any yowies or had reports of yowies going into towns, maybe dumpster diving, looking for food?
2: No, there. But there was one uh, story uh, up in Kilcoy in Queensland, which has got the um, the big yowie statue there, and uh, I, my friend of mine was telling me that he he spoke to someone who, um, apparently, uh, I think one of. Oh, this is a handed down story. Apparently, there was a, a yaoi that was sighted in a large bin near a, a food processing plant, so or the sorry a meat processing plant. so um, where it was an, uh, yeah, an abattoir or, or whatever, but uh, what they did do is dispose of a lot of offcuts and things like that that they weren't going to use. so obviously they they dumped them into this big dumpster, but there was apparently a sighting of a yaoi going through that dumpster. Wow.
1: We have you for another 30 minutes, Attila Kaldi. And this has been just incredibly fun once again. And I'm so excited to bring you back to our audience here on Spaced Out Radio. And when we return from the break here at the bottom of the hour, more monster talk, more Yowie, more of your questions. It's all more, more, more with Attila Kaldi, our special guest, director movie creator, documentarian out of Sydney, Australia. He's been doing this for 20-plus years, searching for answers of high strangeness. We will return on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear.
2: All is good. Wow, this is flying by. It is. I hope I'm not waffling too much. No,
1: no, you're doing great tonight, my man. Doing great.
2: Ah, oh, sensational. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually um, now starting to uh, film a documentary on uh, on UFOs. Oh, that is fantastic, mate. <laughs> Stuck right oh, in there. That's that awesome, is dirty. Sensational. How good is that? Mm. Mate, such talent. How good is that? Thanks, I appreciate it, man. No worries, mate. That's fantastic.
1: Oh, it's been uh, well, it's been great. Good job, filth, tonight. That's high quality. Thanks, quote. I
5: appreciate it. Yeah. Stories are great, I love it. It's it's pretty fresh change from like, well, let's talk about Mothman in Chicago.
2: Hmm. Okay.
5: Oh, I'm just saying it's it's interesting to hear stories from other places in the world.
2: From other places in the world, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, uh, t- I mean, it's docos that we, we're sort of creating seems to be appreciated too over there because it is coming from a completely different part of the world and a lot of people don't realise what happens down under. Um, and we have a lot of weird stuff down here, a lot of high strangeness.
5: You talked a lot of, you did a lot of ghost hunting. Apparently, what are your ghosts
2: like in there? Um, well, yeah, I, I, for a very long time, I was actually filming uh, paranormal reality TV shows. Um, and um, uh, there is one place here that kind of trumped everything else, and that was an old abandoned hospital. And man.
3: We had everything there. That's like the Skinwalker Ranch. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing. And so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com
2: of Australia, that place. It was things that you would consider as demonic entities. I mean, we basically had everything there and we were going back to that place over and over again for a number of years and every time, almost every time something went down, it was a very, very dark place. Like, I mean, as in not just appearance-wise but as in energy-wise, very, very dark and ominous location. There's a lot of death associated with that place.
5: You got like an Area 51 of some sort there too?
2: Uh, we do, but I don't like talking about it. <laughs> I got into a lot of shit over that, excuse of French. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, 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 it's not something I'll Got I'll, your I'll hand, slapped. Got, the hand slapped.
1: got the hand slapped. Sorry?
2: Got the hand slapped, eh? Uh, yeah, I, I do have a security clearance as well. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I need to be careful what I talk about what do you He's think the of, Canadians
1: what do you think about the uh the uh work that that uh, Ross Coulthard has done over here trying to break the uFO story
2: uh interesting um look I mean it's interesting that they've just all of a sudden released all this information um I think that I think there's something else going in the background and I think that this potentially could be uh, just uh, a, a distraction from something else, something bigger. Bigger as in? I don't know. Uh, I just have this sensation that there's something brewing in the background that they're just trying to uh, distract us from. And when I say us, I mean the entire globe because it, it, it just seems to be too good to be true. After all these years of suppression and um, and disinformation. I mean, I, I was in the middle of it here during my UFO years, um, and it got really messy. I'd, you guys have heard of um, John Maynard, ex-DIA fellow, who was part of the Disclosure Project. Yeah. Now that we're off air, I'm able to use his name, but on air I wouldn't be able to. Um, I used to work with Stephen Greer during the early the early years of the Disclosure Project. That actually. Uh, had dealings with him personally in Australia, and, and that thing just got so messy. Oh, it was, yeah, it uh, it didn't get, <laughs> it got very, very messy. Um, yeah, it's yeah. uh, just, just some of the disinformation that got out there was just mind-blowing. And the level that they go to to hide that information is just incredible.
1: All right, guys, we have about 45 seconds. I want to say a big thank you to Debster, Free Your Mind, Cat Chaser, and Mike for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love. If you haven't yet signed up for our Space Travelers Club, putting the link in the chat room. It's definitely a place you want to hang out and help create a community atmosphere. And let's see here. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We got great swag there. Yep. You can join that. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe, ring that bell. We are here seven days a week for your listening entertainment. And here we go, everybody, in three seconds. We pass the halfway point of spaced out radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Let's continue on. Attila Kaldi is here tonight on the Mighty SOR. We are looking into all the monsters that run around Down Under. He is a filmmaker and documentarian out of Sydney, Australia. We have him till the top of the hour. Tilla, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, David.
1: I want to ask you in regards to, you know, getting back to the Yowie, because we have some audience questions here for you. And this one comes from UFO Whistleblowers. Are the indigenous people of Australia meditating and mind-speaking with aliens and Yowie's?
2: Well, I'm not sure about aliens, but um, uh, the Yowie element, there's definitely a very strong connection. Um, and it is part, look, the Yowies are, are very strongly embedded in their culture, in the Indigenous cultures. That's part of their, it, it forms part of their stories, part of their songs, part of their dances, and, their, uh, and obviously um, their way of the way they see the natural environment, the way they move through the natural environment, um, the, the attention that they pay to the smallest, you know, um, road signs that other people would, I guess, dis- disregard or would ignore. So, yeah, look, there is definitely a strong connection. Co- communication between the two cultures, uh, I've heard of some elders actually being able to speak their language. Um and I've also heard that there is communication through um, through just I guess uh, using an extrasensory perception. So whether or not it's you know um how they um, uh, I guess um, translate that communication, I'm not sure how that works, but there is definitely that that sort of sixth sense connection between the two cultures.
1: Mhm I I know up here I I recently earlier this week took a a phone call from a local indigenous elder from from our area and I I'm hopefully going to meet with him this weekend to try and and uh, chat with him about some of the videos and and stories that he has you know that that have been passed down but I mean there's a lot of other creatures that are running around you've also dealt with hauntings you've dealt with with all sorts of UFO talk. What is a story outside of the Yowie that really sticks out with you, that really hits home?
2: Wow. Um, I wouldn't know actually where to start because um, mm-hmm. with with hauntings and the UFO phenomena, I mean, it's very, very strong here in Australia. Um, In fact, um, I've actually recently started uh, a new project and I'm basically reviewing or bringing back to life some of the old cases uh, that occurred during the UFO flaps and UFO waves that happened here in Australia. Um, And I've recently actually interviewed uh, a well-known UFO researcher, uh, Bill Chalker, and he essentially goes back Uh, when he first sort of indicated interest into the whole UFO phenomenon back in the 1960s. So um, he talks about UFO waves and UFO flaps from the 1950s, 1960s, all the way to the 2000s. And these are some of the things I'm quite interested in because I was actually caught in the middle of the UFO wave of 2001 here on the East Coast. So I personally... Uh, was involved in that, and and I guess that's what basically motivated me to actually, you know, start on this project and bring some of these cases back to life. But some of the UFO encounters here are quite fascinating, um, and I can, you know, I can go, I can go on about that for hours and hours. But the hauntings um, and the interesting creatures and and you know, entities that, that people have witnessed here are just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and there was one particular location that we kept on going back to over and over again because it just kept giving on a paranormal level. And you, it was almost like the Australian version of the Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, it wasn't a ranch. It was an old abandoned facility And there's a lot of death. There's a lot of tragedy that's linked and connected to that place. And some believe that on the grounds of that location, there's a mass grave site um, that hasn't been located yet. So there's a lot of legends that surround this this uh, this particular location. It's now a place that of of disuse, so it's it's basically crumbled. Uh, it was built using asbestos, and um, most of that area, it's it most of that 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 building is no longer there. So, um, but when it was still in one piece, I and and a small group of people had the privilege of actually going there and having experiences at this location and and i'm talking about some really wacky stuff that you would see in horror movies but we actually did see these things and yeah there's like i said this there's, there's just i could go on until sundown and sun up so there's just so much that i could cover with this but this there's, there's just just uh, it's a lot of amazing stuff that have happened out here
1: all right let's get to a question from ross dogs there was a how we seen by 20 witnesses in springbrook queensland in 1977 it was described as three meters tall covered in hair flat face and walk like a crab well oh, sounds like a resident random guy uh but uh, what's your thoughts on this
2: um I believe that that case uh, is on the Australian Yari Research site. Um, that case, I think if, I'm, if I remember correctly, uh, it was a scout camp uh, and a number of students actually witnessed this. And one of those students happened to, I think, became a, a senator in parliament. And he actually did come forward and talk about this Uh Quite a number of years ago, so yeah. If, if I think the best thing to do, and instead of me trying to sort of gather that information, if if you really want more details on that particular case, if you go to the Australian Yari Research site, you'll probably you'll able to find more information about that.
1: All right, let's continue on here. We got more questions for you. Uh, let's go to Sovereign. Have you noticed that kangaroos are either interdimensional or are being portaled around by UFOs some of the questions Wow
2: um, I've never had a question like that asked and I, I'm sorry I really don't know how to answer that but um, uh, no they're, they're look kangaroos are like deers in in the Americas they're just a common species of animals marsupial here There's really look they are an adorable animal. Uh, they can get quite pesky, and they can get quite dangerous. But I've, no, I've, yeah, I really don't know how to sort of connect those two, to be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, let's continue. Let's go to Neil. Is Ayers Rock a
2: paranormal hotspot? Some people believe so, um, but um, it, some people believe that indigenous spirits guard that. Uh, that area. Um, people who've walked away with samples of Ayers Rock, uh, and I've, I've heard of these stories and these are legends, uh, have had uh, misfortune and bad luck in their lives so that a lot of people actually ended up sending them back. Um, but, no, it is, it is definitely um, believed to have been guarded by Indigenous spirits. So um, it is a, uh, a protected area as a result of that. So there's a there's a very strong indigenous uh, connection uh, to that location.
1: Okay, I do have to ask, though, because I am petrified of the ocean. Petrified. All right? I do believe that Megalodon still exists, or these uh, giant great white super sharks that are 25 feet plus that are out there. Are you buying the story that... That uh, you know, somewhere in the oceans, there in the nice warm waters, that there could be a shark bigger than the great white out there.
2: Uh, it's a largely unexplored area, and um, you know, all you need to do is just, I guess. Just look at some of the reports that have been coming out from people who have had uh, experiences with 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 high strangeness that come from the ocean. Uh, I don't believe that to be impossible at all. Anything could live out there. It's it's some of the deepest parts of the ocean could harbour some really strange uh, marine life. And who's to say that that uh, some of the old um, creatures may still, you know, um, could still exist out there? I mean, they possibly can.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing that because I know it's there somewhere. Yeah, Megalodon <laughs> is out there somewhere. I, I'm just saying. You don't have to believe me, but that's okay. All right, let's go over to uh, Neil here. Have the Aborigines uh, ever conducted any curses that you know of?
2: Um, I, I don't know. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that I personally never get, got involved in. So, Not a problem. Yeah, I really can't answer that question, to be honest.
1: All right. Sovereign says there is a beach in Australia that has had a high number of people vanishing from there. Do you think it was a Yowie operating or maybe a UFO or an alien
2: race? Yeah, I'd like to know what beach that is because I want to go there if that's the case. Well, he is. The- yeah, it'd be good to know. It'd be good to know what what beach that is.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would like to know that too. I mean, I know mm. that there. I mean, you look at David Politis and his work with, with the missing four one one up here. It's amazing how these hot spots of people vanishing uh, just kind of uh, apply all around North America, and I'm sure it's happening down there. Let's go to Jules here. Do you think sloths are what? Yeah, no, we're not asking that. Never mind. Okay. Let's get back let's get back to some good questions, audience, if you don't mind. Good questions, please. All right, let's I want to ask you regarding the Yowie again. Is it centralized on the southeast side? Are there a lot of reports on the west side of the continent or in in the central part?
2: yeah there is actually um i um funny funny should mention that because in a place where you feel that these animals could not exist, apparently they do um, one particular thing I had a conversation with a lady who um, used to be a nurse in central australia very arid place you know very rocky desert like um, very dry hot spot. Um, When I say hot, I mean it's a very, very warm and hot climate there. And uh, she was a a nurse in this remote little location and um, she was going on a hike and she bumped into one of the local Indigenous people and um, this person told her, look, you know, you can go this way, you know, that's that's quite safe, you know, you'll be right, but I really wouldn't go down this other path because... um, and they had their own name for this creature that lives down there and you may not come back. So, you know, this is in a very rocky, very dry, arid location. But again, you know, you go to these places and sometimes you hear, you know, a scientist come back and say, oh, look, you know, we found this massive underground cave system in the middle of Australia that's full of water. Um, So, look, at a place like that, if there's ample... Uh, drinking water and if there is game like I mean in in places like that you have a lot of snakes and goannas and a lot of sort of reptilian type creatures you know these animals may or sorry these folk may have adapted to that climate may have adapted to that terrain so they have their own diet but you know as long as they have water drinking water um, they could be living in the middle of the desert for all we know but this is just a classic example of you know of a of a location which is again very arid and you that would be the last place you would think a Yowie would live but no they they do live all around the continent
1: yeah that that's absolutely great i mean do they vary in size from where their location is i know you talked that you I, know there there's small ones and there's ones up to you know 15 feet tall
2: Mm. Well, one Indigenous friend of mine, uh, she's done a fair bit of research into Indigenous law, and she actually appears in tracking the law documentary film. And she, her, her ancestry comes from uh, from South Australia, and they talk about you know the difference in fur color from different regions. So again, it comes down to adaptation. You know that the fur. Um, Perhaps even the, the, the physical structure or even the characteristic may differ from those who live in the desert, maybe their size might be different. Uh, compared to those that are found on the east coast in, you know, in, the, uh, in the woodlands there or even up north in Queensland in the dense rainforests. So, yes, there, there is difference. And, and primarily, I believe, of what I've been able to uh, identify is primarily the, the colour of the fur. So that obviously is more adaptable to the, their colour who live obviously in the, in the desert regions would be more of an amberish and more of a lighter colour than those in the forested area. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What seems to pique the Yahweh's interest? You know, like up here, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, they seem to be very curious in my area, whether it's children laughing and playing, whether it's people who are farming, whether it's people who are sitting around a campfire, drinking a beer and having a laugh. Do they seem to be as curious down there as they
2: are up here? Um. Again it's a good question. I, I think that um, of all the sightings that, that I've and all the reports that I've read and the experiences that I've personally had, uh, they tend to, if you're in their, if you're in their region, um, if you're in their hunting ground or if you're in a region where they're active, uh, that would definitely stir interest. so there would definitely would be they that, that would be obviously would be under observation at all times. and if push comes to shove, then of obviously uh, what will happen is what happened to us that you get escorted or herded out. Um, in a way of curiosity, i a lot of the sightings here are basically bumping into these guys accidentally, and uh, the reactions were mainly was to leave and get out of our area. Uh, these were primarily the reactions. So, mm, it's it's very hard to answer if there is anything in particular that would stir their curiosity. Hmm. Do they like toys? Do they like gifting sites? our gifting is definitely uh, i know that uh, some of the guys up in north queensland have uh, have placed
3: out rocks and crystals and and woven, um, you know, little, little... This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer, and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more, and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice sponsored by pfizer and biontech
0: at&t and verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract three years missing out on the latest greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier not at t-mobile break free from three-year phone contracts with our best go 5g plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One year upgrade on Go5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com.
2: Artifacts that they made themselves. Um, And they were exchanged, they were moved. So they actually got sticks back and they got, um, you know, um, certain um, ornaments that were made of, of, of natural. You know um, debris and and whatnot that was actually gifted back to these people, but sometimes they just take the um, the offerings and they don't return them with uh, with anything. But sometimes they actually do out of bushcrafted material. So do you, when you look at the gifting sites, like
1: for instance, up here we use a lot of toys, hmm. you know, like and colored rocks, like like marbles and and everything that seems to get them excited. Uh, are are you pretty much putting out the same?
2: Well, I'd say so. Yes. So, I mean, in this particular incident, I know that uh, these guys actually put out crystals and and uh, and different forms of, you know, um, rocks, pebbles from from the from the local creek or from the local river um, that you know have been sort of you know. Um, have been uh, washed to 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 a smooth surface, so they they are very appealing to the eye. So they actually use these rocks as gifts, and yeah, they, they have actually attracted attention, and they have actually taken them.
1: Okay, so we this creature doesn't seem to be violent. It doesn't seem to be proactive in hunting down humans or anything along those lines. Have you had a lot of of Yowie sightings in UFO hotspots?
2: Well, the Blue Mountains here uh, have had its fair share of UFO activity. Um, So that is considered to be a UFO hotspot. And it also happens to be a um, highly active area, or used to be anyway before the fires, a highly active area for yaoi's. And um, look, um, to be honest... I personally think that that is coincidental. I mean, it it's a massive it, it, the Blue Mountains National Park is massive. It's it's a huge area. So naturally you're going to get, you know, uh, all sorts of wildlife uh, living there, especially in certain habitats. But there there are rivers and, and there are streams there. So you have a, a collection of different elements there that would form perfect habitats for not just for known species but also for unknown species like the Yowie. Now, whether or not there is a connection with the UFO phenomena and the Yowies there in the Blue Mountains, um, I personally don't think so. I just think it's just coincidental that you have both of those elements uh, or or strange activities that happen in that region. I mean, again, it's it's a vast wilderness, so um, anything can happen down there.
1: Okay, we've got two minutes to go here. What do you want people to know about the cryptids that are down in your area that you're researching?
2: Well, there's, there's actually um, quite an interesting collection here and uh, the Dogman... Uh, seems to have popped up fairly recently with, with a, a friend of mine um, who runs the Creepers Cryptid channel, uh, John Kershaw. Now, John was out uh, kayaking fishing when he actually saw this or took a photo of this dog band and he actually appears in Tracking the Lore towards the end of the documentary film. But it, it appears now that we have dogman-like creatures here. Now, whether or not that is actually a remnant of a, a of a believed to have been um, extinct species uh, carnivorous species of of uh, sorry a carnivorous uh, predator um, marsupial predator, the Thonocaleo carnifax which used to be which was effectively a marsupial lion we don 't know, but it is a possibility that that could potentially be the case. Um, the dogman phenomena fits really unusually in in what we see and know in Australia. Um, but people have sighted these creatures here around the Sydney area, near a, uh, a populated area a region, which is quite scary in itself. And we have actually seen wit- we have actually seen witness marks on a tree, uh, massive claw marks that have been scratched into the body of the tree that extends five to six meters, even higher. Now you have to understand we don't have bears, and even the koalas have got very little small paws, and when they climb up the trees, they hardly leave any evidence, but these are very deep and very large scar marks that are, that have been scratched into the tree at extreme height. So we are here thinking what the hell could have caused that dogman or perhaps even a potentially uh, a creature that we think that may have gone extinct 40,000 years ago that could have surfaced. Attila,
1: where can people find your films? we got 30 seconds.
2: Yeah, well... Um, uh, basically on amazon prime on tubi tv uh there's a, a lot of platforms over in the states that you can actually find it um if you go to paranormalinvestigators.tv, you'll be able to find uh, most of my content there and the links to the appropriate platforms love it
1: love it my friend Attila thank you again for coming on spaced out radio tonight you are a awesome awesome researcher keep up your great work
2: Thank you so much, David. Much appreciated, and thanks for having me again.
1: Attila Kaldi, everybody. Coming up next, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then a freshly head-shaved Tim Seenor joins us for the UFO Report. we got a jam-packed hour number three next. Yeah, we're probably going to get fired up tonight. Why not? Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Great show, Attila. Great show.
2: Thank you so much, mate. But Ma- I can never forget that question, are sloths interdimensional creatures? Yes. I think Jules has had a couple of uh, white
1: uh, claws uh, tonight, so she she made me laugh. She made me laugh with that one. Oh, Jules. That's
7: awesome. Love it.
1: Yes. All right, buddy. You take care.
2: All right, buddy. You too. Take b- care. Thanks b- very much.
1: B- bye-bye. All the best. Bye. You guys are silly. You guys are absolutely silly. Yes. Ross Dog, how you doing, buddy? All right. Random gee, Ross Dog. Where's the other one to add the trifecta? Where's NSA guy? We need some NSA guy tonight. I'll be right back. We haven't fun yet. Can't wait to get into the forest tomorrow. And Sunday. Two heads, how you doing? Hey, there's little Robbie G. Move over, peasants. <laughs> oh, you're going to laugh at that for a while. <coughs> Big thank you tonight to Ross, Deb, Free Your Mind, Cat Chaser, and Mike for the great super chats. We very much appreciate the love and support around here, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, if you haven't already, join the Space Travelers Club. Come have some fun with us. Trying to build a community. We need you there. Moon Freedom, how you doing? Come join the community. It's like five bucks a month. That's it. Fine bucks. Shop at our store spacedoutradio.com. Don't forget to put May tenth to twelfth, twenty twenty four, on your calendar. We are going to Reno for the third annual fan party. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America Digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club Jarvie. Jarvie is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag, follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. It is that time of the night where we bring in Steve Stockton, say hello to him, from Among the Missing YouTube channel for another creepy story. (music)
6: Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Join me. Let's walk and see. One of our recent strange disappearance and reappearance cases occurred on September 22, 2012 in the Ozarks region of Arkansas. It turned out to be one of our most unusual cases. In the afternoon of that same day, Eddie Huff and Linda Ardiega, brother and sister, set out for a day of hiking and to explore the forest of the area with their friends. There appeared to be something amiss, though, when Eddie returned alone, claiming that he had left his sister at a relative's house But even more so when it was discovered that the 53-year-old woman who Eddie had claimed to have left at the relative's house was simply not there. It appeared that Eddie had forgotten everything that had happened and he was now confused and a little disoriented, to put it mildly. There was a search party organized and in the end, Archie was found wandering in the deep woods in the middle of a seemingly random location. Furthermore, it seemed to be that whatever incident had transpired in the preceding minutes that led her to this point had shocked and unnerved her in the end, leading her here in the first place. The details of what she later claimed were murky at best, but she claimed that she had volunteered to go find help for her brother after he had supposedly suffered some kind of injury. She would later say that as she walked through the woods, she encountered other hikers who in spite of her best efforts, didn't seem to be able to hear or see her when she called out to them, even though they were walking in the same woods. Even more disturbingly, she also claimed to have witnessed strange, shadowy figures that appeared to be watching her from the forest. The next thing she knew, she was coming to in the forest when Search and Rescue Call Your Name. As of now, there's no explanation for this rather bizarre incident. Let me know what you think in the comments.
1: So strange. So, so strange. And- you know, that's why we love Steve Stockton around here, bringing those strange stories each and every night on Spaced Out Radio. Man, if you want more, just go over to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing, Hit subscribe, ring that bell, as Steve has new stories coming at you very, very often. All right, from the mysterious to the UFOs, it's time for the UFO report. We bring in our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Big man coming off big news from NASA going on up. And I'll tell you, lots of things going on. But, Tim, I'm heading back into the forest Going to go look for some Sasquatch. You know my area. You know what it's like. You don't like it out there, do you?
7: You're a brave man. You're very, very brave, and I know you usually take family members with you. So uh, you've got a courageous team there in the Scott household. But, uh, I mean, I've been out there. You definitely have stuff going on. Um, so good luck to you. Uh, you, know, you take to a camera. Do you want to come? You know, I want to, you know, I want to,
1: I know, <laughs> I know.
7: I want that experience for every one of your SOR listeners too, because Dave brings you the stories, but I mean, try and imagine next time he tells you one of these stories being there with him. Cause he's all like charging towards it as you and I, the critical thinkers we're like, wait a second. <laughs> We should be going the other way. This guy's charging towards Bigfoot, so he's our hero.
1: Ah, it's all good, isn't it? It's, it's all good, good in the
7: woods.
1: Oh, I know you love it. I, I know do. you it's love so it. You know, yeah. you came back a changed man.
7: <laughs> I've seen things. I've seen things.
1: Mhm. I want <laughs> you know without going into details, okay? How can, for people who don't know, because you're a pretty skeptical guy, you are someone who is very nuts and bolts, and we've discussed that over the year plus that we've been doing this together. And we've argued about it, we've talked about it, we've had some fun at each other's expense over it. (laughs) But when you see things for the first time that you can't explain, Tim, coming from that scientific nuts and bolts area how does it change you
7: um i think that it makes you realize that you can capture this stuff you know on your gear if you go in prepared you know you can you can get evidence of it um which helps me to wrap my head around it because i can review it over and over and scrutinize it you know that that's perfect for the nuts and bolts people having evidence right and so coming out of there with that, that was massive. Um, But I think experiencing it firsthand is what it's all about, because no matter how much evidence I produce, um, being in those woods and seeing, you know, expecting one thing and seeing another constantly, uh, I think that's, that's what the phenomenon is all about. It's not repeating. It's not what you expect. It's, uh, it's, incredible it's literally incredible and so you know it is i see why you get so excited and jazzed and you like to go out so often for me i'm still you know in that uh i'm reeling i guess reeling from the information still is a pretty good way to put it i'm not as eager perhaps as you are to get back out there of course i will because uh you know it's my job but it's um It's a little overwhelming. It's daunting. And when you come face to face with it, it can be scary. (laughs) Of course, you know, that was my reaction. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone should live it, you know, before you pass judgment on any of this stuff. Try and try and find it. You know, you have to go out and actually look for it.
1: Yeah. But how did how does it change you personally? How have you changed emotionally and what you believe, what you disbelieve?
7: I don't think anything has changed in me yet. I'm still that, that same uh, skeptic.
3: Because even though I this season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your health care provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo
7: credits. See T-Mobile.com. I've lived it and I've seen it. I still don't know what it is, and I have evidence of it. I still don't know what the evidence means. So, I'm still not really that changed, even though I've gone there and back. Um, it's going to take a lot, and that's why you know it's such a tough topic. It's going to take a lot to sway the public individually, and then even congressionally or governmentally or you are dodging
1: this so well.
7: You are dodging
1: this so well, right? I'm being
7: honest. I really don't know yet. I'm being 100% honest with you. Even living it, breathing it, seeing the evidence, I don't know yet. I'm not, I don't know. So I haven't shifted, except that I'm not as fearful of it. I guess that's the one thing that's changed. I'm, I'm, I know I can handle it, you know, get into the routine of it.
1: Mm hmm. I think it's great. I think it's great. It's alert. uh, an open learning experience for everything yeah. that that is going on, and you had your eyes opened, and can't wait to do it again, my man. Cannot wait to for do sure. it again. All right, <laughs> we might as well get into it. All right, because it's it's going to come out, and I'm just going to get really really um, frustrated. Coming off the reaction of the NASA, um. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, Press conference, I guess. All of the the scientific people out there are cheering NASA on. Great job, guys. You guys really hit it out of the park with this report. Including the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, otherwise known as the SCU. I want to read you something from Kevin Wright. He wrote this for the SCU website. I want to get your opinion, Tim. SCU welcomes NASA's historic UAP report and recommendations. SCU wholly endorses NASA's decision to follow its study team's recommendation and embrace the scientific questions surrounding the nature of unidentified anomalous phenomena. The Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies released the following statement regarding NASA's independent study team report on UAP and once again, SU wholly endorses NASA's decision to follow the study team's recommendation and embrace the scientific questions surrounding UAPs and appoint a NASA director of UAP research. NASA is the right U.S. agency to lead this effort. It is noteworthy that NASA stated in their report. Quote, NASA, with its extensive expertise in these domains and a global reputation for scientific openness, is in excellent position to contribute to UAP studies within the broader whole-of-government framework led by the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, otherwise known as ARO. SCU agrees with the first portion of that statement, not the last, NASA is our premier aerospace organization with the necessary capabilities to address the UAP question with scientific openness. NASA should lead the entire UAP science endeavor over the long term, not ARO. So a little bit of shots fired there. Arrow is tied to national defense organizations and is driven by the needs of our defense industry, which necessarily cannot promote scientific openness. While we acknowledge that Arrow is necessary to investigate the defense-related aspects of UAP, SCU strongly recommends that Congress provide the necessary funding and resources to allow NASA to independently lead U.S. UAP scientific research programs, just as in France UAP research is led by the nation's Civilian Space Agency. Further, NASA's UAP program should be funded to support academic research within our nation's universities and scientific organizations to further the study of UAP. This necessitates funding and guidance directly from Congress, not via Aero. SCU shares NASA's view that there is a need for better data, and we offer offer knowledge Resources supporting NASA in this endeavor. SCU has expertise in how to collect useful UAP data from the public, how to triage reports, and how to conduct field investigations of significant sightings. In addition, we have deeply historical perspective on how to engage the public on UAP and how the public historically reacts to the different elements of this topic. I want to stop right there because the SCU, without a uh, has has been. Kind of a private group the whole time. So saying that they actually know how to get data from the public and keep the public engaged in this topic, I want to use the word BS here. Okay. I really do. I'm going to call BS on that. They go on to say, as we stand at the crossroads of discovery, let our choices be informed by the thirst for knowledge rather than the constraints of secrecy. SCU champions NASA's leadership in this endeavor and implores Congress to empower our premier aerospace organization, ensuring the truths... Is anybody a little bit offended by the word truth here? About UAP are explored with transparency, yeah, right, integrity, and the collective brilliance of our nation's scientific community. SCU promotes and encourages the rigorous scientific examination of UAP, commonly known as Unidentified Flying Objects, UFOs. SCU comprises scientists, engineers, members of the high-tech and defense industries, former military, and other professionals utilizing scientific principles, methodologies, and practice to advance the study of UAP, observed and reported around the globe. Okay, I got a few comments on this, Tim, but I want to hear your thoughts
7: first. Oh, you're going to love my thoughts on this because um, I'm 98% behind this, and I like this statement. Do I believe that they are um, people that you know live by this same regiment? No, not necessarily. I do like that you pointed out the whole public relations aspect. But um, one part I would like to point out that I feel like wasn't highlighted here was that if we are going to commission NASA, you know, via Congress and have them be the touch point for this topic, then we need them to have access to classified information so that they can get all the details. And whether they transmit all of that information to the public or not, we can discuss at a later time, but I feel like the people that are studying UFOs, not UAP, but UFO, need to have access to classified information because that's where all this lies. It lies above top secret. And so in order for this to really go through and bypass Arrow and to do all the things that they're putting in this presentation together, NASA would have to acquire information that it currently says it doesn't have. So not just the information it has, because obviously we'd love to see what it has in its own files. But all that aside, we need them to have access to classified governmental information and satellite data for that matter.
1: Well, I'm very shocked. Uh, Let's talk about what I'm shocked about right now, because when we come back from the break in in about five minutes, we're going to get into... Where the where this BS needs a real deep sniff test, okay? I I want to swear so bad, and I can't because of our radio stations, you know, and FCC and CRTC guidelines, okay? But I got I got to tell you, I, I'm when I read this earlier, I was pulling out my hair, okay? And I got beautiful hair, Tim. You know that, okay? You do, buddy. I do. All right, but I want to get to this, though. I am very shocked because the SCU tries to be extremely apolitical, and the fact that they took a shot right over the bow of Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick and Arrow and, to me, Enigma Labs, which I kind of find funny because a gentleman in the UFO community who... Uh, is uh, Alejandro Rojas, is the PR director for both SCU and the Enigma Labs. So the fact that his organization kind of took a shot at his other organization by not supporting Arrow, and we know Arrow is a fan of Enigma Labs, I found this quite intriguing, that they would actually... Fire that shot over the you know the defense portion of this aspect. What's your thoughts on
7: that? Absolutely. I mean, it seems like there may be a scramble and some infighting. I I know from my understanding that Kirkpatrick is not really excited about his role, and we know that NASA has assigned a new liaison between NASA. And the government. And we can talk a little bit more about the debolical that took place in its announcement. But um, I do see that there's kind of a scramble, um, kind of a hot potato topic, if you will. Nobody really seems to want to have to take the reins, if you will. And the people that are in the know that want to take control of this are being absolutely stonewalled and pushed to the side. That's what it appears from the outside.
1: Mm yeah I really really am surprised by that. I'm very surprised by the aspect of it all. It um that adds such a layer of confrontation that we are not used to at this level that it really makes me makes me wonder, you know, what what is truly going on and it really to me shows that there is a real sense of conflict between the government and the military and the scientific community regarding this subject and it really yeah. and it also shows the lack of transparency and considering a lot of those scientists within the scu even on their board of directors have direct ties or contracts with military agencies in the United States, this is a little dumbfounding because if I'm sitting there as a, as a military advisor and I see one of my scientists who's in the SCU and I see the SCU statement, I'm having a conversation with that scientist saying, is this a group that you should really be participating in considering your contract and your job is to work with us?
7: Yeah, that's right. And also consider, remember, in the very beginning of the creation of this NASA think tank, um, they outwardly debunked one of the military videos that SCU had confirmed as UAP. And they said, quote, through simple trigonometry, they were able to resolve this as being something mundane. So we know that there was early conflict potentially between SCU and the NASA think tank group, at least. That doesn't necessarily represent NASA because this was an independent group of scientists that were put together to come up with some resolutions on how NASA could potentially tackle this topic. They weren't giving any resolution on UAP or UFO. And I think perhaps a lot of people are confused on that. This was a group of people that were assigned the simple task You should have been, excuse me, if they could have agreed on what UAP even was, just to say that. But they were assigned, yeah, and so they were really assigned uh, to help NASA construct a method to even tackle this topic. And I think that, you know, they came back with a few things, and we can cover that when we come back from break. But um, they did have some minor baby steps forward for NASA and what they profess to want to undertake because they do feel that this is an issue that needs to be talked about and transparently uh, and thoroughly investigated.
1: Transparency and NASA do not go along. I mean, that's oil and water right there. And we're going to get into that and more. And where did the SCU drop the ball on their Support of the NASA UFO Report. When we return on Spaced Out Radio with little Timmy Senor, our resident Tim Bit, here on the UFO Report, we'll be back with the final half hour right after this. you want to stick around after the show for a bit? Or no? You got it's things to do? Sure.
7: Yeah, yeah, no, I got time tonight. Should drag in a surprise guest, maybe.
1: Maybe. Jeffrey Green, how you doing?
7: I should, oh, you know what? I left my phone up in my son's bed. I was uh, reading to him. I'm going to go grab it
1: real quick. Go get it. Yeah. Careful, random guy, because uh, little Robbie G there, he's going to be walking the red carpet here in Hollywood in the next couple days. Yep. He's already practicing his don't make eye contact with me, people. I'm on the red carpet here. Rob F and G. I know you're laughing, big guy. Hello, Timmy.
7: Yeah. Timmy. You are going to laugh. You are going to laugh. This is great. What are we laughing at? Oh, you'll see. stuff so what do you got going on this weekend
1: Uh, myself the boy and uh, little Marky Spender are heading out tomorrow afternoon Uh, I got to work in the morning but we're heading out uh, tomorrow afternoon to um, do a little bit of searching that'll probably lead to tomorrow night which could lead to some hot dogs being uh, uh, grilled over an open fire, which would be nice.
7: And you guys survived the slow cooker, so how was that? I, need, oh, I yeah. need some follow-up.
1: Yeah, that 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 roast was good, dude. That roast awesome. was good. Yeah. Just finished I it two it. nights ago.
7: Fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, Phil the Stalker, how you doing? Yeah, that worked out well. You know, I don't get Taco Bell like you do. You know,
7: you got to have a family member that works there, mm. and then it's just sweet, sweet living. I never eat it personally.
1: <laughs> hey, we should but, re- yeah. we should remind people to put on their calendar, May tenth to twelfth. Little Timmy Senor is going to be there at the Silver Legacy Resort and Casino in Reno, Nevada, for the third annual Las or can't even call it the Las Vegas fan party, the Reno F- Sor fan party. Uh we are just about to get you some deals on some rooms here very quickly. Uh probably within yeah. the next couple of weeks we'll have some uh updates on what to do. It's going to be much cheaper people, much cheaper than last year. Hotel costs I think it's around 138 bucks a night. What? Yeah. That's awesome. That beats the 300 I'm- we paid at the Golden Nugget. That's for sure. So we're going to be getting uh, tickets available. We're going to get your confirmation in on the rooms and everything. <clears throat> and then we're going to start uh, building up who our special guests are going to be. A hey, big thank you tonight to Mike, Cat Chaser, Free Your Mind, Debster Times Two, and Ross Dogs. And uh, don't forget, you can join the Space Travelers Club. Highly recommend it. I put the link right there. It's a fun place. Come hang out with us. Let's build a family together over there. Here we go, everybody. Rounded third. We're headed for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you missed most of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Find us on any major podcast network, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and of course, of course any major uh, podcast network on that as well. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bubblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag, follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon. You can join the Space Travelers Club. Here we go, Tim Sinor, UFO Report. We're talking about the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies giving the thumbs up, wholly, wholly endorsing NASA's Give Us Nothing press conference. I know you love this stuff. You support anything that will, you know, endorse the UAPs. Timmy, just bugging you.
7: No, it's cool. I love four-letter words. And we know that NASA said Thursday that the study of... This
3: season, your coffee orders are getting warmer, and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing. And so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go
4: 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50%
7: paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. UFOs will require new scientific techniques, including advanced satellites, as well as a shift in how unidentified flying objects are even perceived. And so the space agency released the findings after a year long study in UFOs. And it looks like, in its 33 page report, an independent team commissioned by NASA cautioned that the negative perception surrounding UFOs poses an obstacle to to even collect the data. So officials said NASA's involvement should help reduce the stigma around what it calls UAPs or unidentified anomalous phenomenon. And so in a quote, they say we want to shift that conversation about UAPs from sensationalism to science. And NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said that he promised an open and transparent approach. And so... Officials stressed the panel found no evidence that UAPs had extraterrestrial origin. But Nelson acknowledged with billions of stars in billions of galaxies out there, another Earth could definitely exist. And he says, if you ask me, do I believe that there's life in a universe that's so vast it's hard for me to comprehend how big it is? My personal answer is yes. And so Nelson said at a news conference that his own scientists put the likelihood of another Earth-like planet at at least a trillion. And so when pressed uh, by reporters on whether the U.S. or other governments are hiding aliens or otherworldly spaceships, Nelson simply said, show me the evidence. And so we've heard a lot of that, Dave, and that is a frustrating response. But we do know that NASA has said that it doesn't actively search for unexplained sightings. It operates a fleet of Earth-circling spacecraft that can help determine, for example, whether weather is behind a strange event. Hmm. And so the 16-member panel noted that artificial intelligence and machine learning are essential for identifying rare occurrences, including UFOs. And so, Dave, they are putting a positive foot forward. But we know that along with this, at the end of it, it had a very kind of strange ending to it that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths knowing that nasa refused at the time to name its new ufo boss and so later we do know that it did release the name but initially declining it left a very strange uh, feeling for everyone involved and so now we do know that uh mark mckinnery who was previously NASA's liaison to the defense department will become the research director for the UAP, uh, or the, uh, what, I guess what they're calling it is the government's preferred term UAP overseeing the space agency's work on the topic and serving as communicator between the federal agencies on UFOs. So during the briefing with reporters earlier on Thursday, NASA officially, uh, declined to de- to disclose the director's identity citing potential threats right and we've talked about that on this show how this topic has really kind of driven the world a little mad well, and
1: tim i'm gonna Dave, go off here because please. because I, I i see random guy in the chat in our chat right now I, i'm not sure if yeah. he wants to come on now or he wants to wait till the end of the show we'll Leave that, Um, we'll give him a few of those, you know, because it's been a while. But I'm going to tell you this. Here's where I 100% disagree with the SCU, okay? I realize that there is a game being played, and it's all about chess, and it's all about political posturing, and it's all about making the right move at the right time. I get that. I can appreciate that. I can also appreciate the endeavors that NASA is trying to do. The problem that we have is nobody wants to talk about the ugly uh, the ugly whatever in the corner of the room, the ugly UFO in the corner of the room. And that is NASA has been blatantly lying about this subject since Bill Nelson, their executive director, came out and said, we got to look into these UAPs, okay? What have we been stating for almost two years now? What's in your closet, Bill? What's in your closet? We know Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, the shuttle missions were all followed. Astronauts have said that. There are recordings of astronauts. There are recordings of test pilots who work for NASA and engineers and, and everybody in between who have had these endeavors happen. And the fact that NASA refuses to deal with that, they refuse to to acknowledge their past regarding this subject, and, and their, their defenders are like, well, maybe they threw the files away. Maybe, no, the audio is out there. We know the audio is out there because documentarian Darcy Weir out of Vancouver, British Columbia, already has pieces of those audio clips in his NASA documentaries about UFOs. We know it exists. So for NASA to play dumb and for the SCU, who I have friends on the SCU, Hell, science Bob is part of the SCU. He is he is absolutely pissed right off by by the SCU's support for NASA because what we are doing is political posturing because the SCU wants to be relevant. Okay, They are not relevant. They have never been transparent. They've never been for the media. They've never been for the publicity. They've only ever been for themselves to learn for the scientific community, which is great. Okay, Be that way. Okay, But don't come out and support a bunch of liars. And that's exactly what NASA is. People should be pissed off about this. People have every right to be upset about this, okay? Because we're tired of the political game when it comes to UFOs. And there's not a soul out there that is calling out NASA, not even James Fox, when he had the opportunity to ask the question. He asked a bogus question. And I highly respect James Fox's work, okay? I really do. But at what point does the public win? At what point does the public get the proper questions answered? Okay, we know NASA is editing their questions. We know that they are are watching very closely what is asked and what is not. Okay, why involve the public then if we're gonna ask if we can't ask tough questions? Okay? NASA deserves zero breaks when it comes to this subject. They just don't deserve anything that comes their way on a positive end until they are ready to start answering questions about Apollo, Gemini, and Mercury. The photos, the video, the audio recordings that are out there. And I'm sorry that I get fired up. And I know over a bunch of shows, I sound repetitive about what I am saying. Okay. But what we're t- dealing here is with the truth. And NASA is blatantly hiding its truth. They are ba- blatantly hiding their past. Okay. They are blatantly hiding what they have done in the past, what they have recorded in the past, and what they know. And for them to play absolutely ignorant and stupid. I feel is an absolute disgrace. So when I see people like Ryan Graves, or I see people like the SCU giving them accolades for their report, I want to pull my hair out and just yell at the sky because there is, there's nothing transparent about that. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry. I'm upset. I'm sorry. I'm wound up about it.
7: I understand, Dave, and it's I 100% understand, um, you know, you're passionate about this and you're close to the subject and you understand that this agency has been withholding information for decades and decades, and you're absolutely right. Um, there's no arguing that fact, right? Um, now, before I get into the other side, I would love to also just say that um, they very openly demonstrated that their knee-jerk reaction to uh, sensitive information is to withhold it. In the uh, meeting there, we saw their initial secrecy when asked about the new uh, person that would be the administrator for um, for this group, right? And so we know that they came out saying that the main reason for the initial secrecy was that members... Of the independent study group had received threats and dan evans uh the assistant deputy associate administrator at nasa told reporters that that was the initial reason you know because that person had been subjected to a lot of uh you know uh, public scorn i guess is how to put it but their initial reaction was to withhold the information at a meeting that they had just said they were all about transparency And it just seemed to be a very confusing message. And so I think that you are showing absolutely here how NASA traditionally handles information. Their Mm -hmm. knee-jerk reaction is to keep it secret and not share that information
3: whatsoever. And so, Dave. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing. And so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your health care provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One-year upgrade on Go5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing
7: and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. I 100% understand why you feel that way. However, we have Arrow handling this topic right now. Now, other countries we know have successfully covered this topic, UAP, UFO through their space agencies. And those are I'm, the people that I'm are I'm not
1: disagreeing that. with that, Tim. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that at, at all. NASA should be the ones looking into this. Okay. But we have to understand, NASA is not for the public. NASA is a military group that is run by the military on public dollars. Okay the space agency is is i believe under the falls under the air force i believe air force yep. or navy one of the two okay I yep. agree 100% with you this should be nasa dealing with this but since mercury and gemini we know they have lied and before they can take this subject seriously Okay, this isn't Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons here, man, saying, nothing to see here, move along, nothing to see here. This isn't this. They have the knowledge of these craft. They have the knowledge of the anomalies. They have the knowledge of an X-15 pilot flying at 315,000 feet until he is joined in the middle of nowhere by a UFO flying right beside him and then the ufo takes off okay we have this footage we have the audio it's all public and for nasa to not even acknowledge that and brilliant people like the scu to not even acknowledge that You know, everybody could say, oh, baby steps, baby steps. You know, we're just putting these puzzle pieces together. BS, you've had almost 80 years. You've had 80 years to do this, 70 years to do this. Okay? And you've done nothing with it except screw the public. And that's what bugs me, man. That's what bugs me. Because if I was on the SCU, if I was a board member of the SCU, I would be saying, guys, we cannot support this. We can we can say we acknowledge the NASA report, okay? We're very, very, we think that NASA's starting to take the proper steps. But until NASA comes clean with their history, we cannot fully endorse or support the NASA program. And any group that has the the cojones to do that that's the team we should we should support okay but everybody's dave, silent MUFON silent new fork silent everybody's yeah. silent
7: dave come on i think you're really circling around what you may or may not want to say right now but i'm going to say it for you the people that have come out vocally in support of this are looking for what dollars absolutely it's disclosure for dollars Especially when, if they'd had any access to what the speech was going to be like, they knew that NASA was going to be putting an outreach out there to public and private investigations that are going on right now and organizations. So, I mean, we didn't want to say it, but yes, we we can figure that these people that are applauding the loudest right now for NASA, it's because they want to be part of the program.
1: You're you're 100% right. Okay, yep. there is a scam being played right in front of everybody's eyes and because nobody knows anything about UFOs and the governmental and the scientific side have done a great job at eliminating and put and, and ostracizing the UFO community from all of this, we all lose because of it. We all lose. Okay? Because the media doesn't know what questions to ask. They're just reporting on it. Okay, look what we got. Look what NASA's saying. Okay, where's the question? What's in your closet? 40 years of SETI research, they find nothing. Yet Samantha Mowat can call aliens in at no problem at any time. And no offense, I'll leak a little bit. You're witness to this. People can do this. And NASA can't find a thing? Come on, it's a sham, it's a scam, and it's all about disclosure for dollars. That's what they want. And the public is absolutely screwed because of it. By the way, it is that time of the night where we should really, Tim, uh, say hello, how are you, to all the agents and agencies who are out there right now tuning us on in and we want to say hi to everybody. And don't forget, everyone, to give us a call sometime. You know, you already got our number because you, that's the way you work. And remember, some of us can be bought. Just saying. Anyways. Yeah, Tim, I'm fired up about this. And I'm disappointed. I'll tell you where I'm happy. I'll tell you where I'm happy. People on the UFOX X formerly Twitter, are not buying this NASA crap this time. They are not buying it. They're seeing right through it, and a lot more people, and I think we have a lot to do with that. A lot more people are actually listening to what we're saying and what we're tweeting or posting, whatever we can call it now, okay? And they are actually understanding that NASA is a mess when it comes to this. And they're a hot mess, and they look like a stupid mess. And the people aren't buying it. And I think it's lovely. I think Bill Nelson should be ashamed of himself. If if I had any way of doing it, and if I was American, I would be sending uh letters to my congressperson or my senator asking them to support Bill Nelson to resign. From that position push it push the public we do have a say we do have a right tim to have our say and when we're being lied to by a government agency in the public we deserve to have our voices heard okay it's not just about elections it's about everything Billions upon billions of dollars of taxpayer money in the United States goes to NASA every year. And they are lying to the American public and the world public about UFOs and what they know. That is the travesty. And when you get groups like the SCU or the Safe Aerospace for Pilots and every other group, uh, waving the NASA flag over their their slimy report. Shame on them. And they deserve to be shamed publicly. And I have <laughs> no problem doing that. And I'm saying that once again, yeah. as I have many friends in the SCU, and I have no problem telling them that.
7: Yeah. And I think we, we knew we were up for some spin the minute that uh, Bill Nelson finished his speech and then the person that got up and started speaking right after him almost repeated his speech word for word. It was it was almost she had regurgitated the same exact speech and there was no new information. And then we heard from the next um, sci- independent science board member and they said almost the same exact thing again. It was as if they were just each reading from the same script. Mm. And it was very frustrating. And then when James Fox presented a question, a few very logical questions. They were absolutely dodged.
1: Absolutely. They
7: weren't even they weren't even hardball questions.
1: Well, Tim, if you guys are listening in on our YouTube channel, stick around. We're gonna continue this conversation. But right now, we gotta say goodnight as Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw is rocking us in the background with little brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of spaced out radio rocking us in and out of every single show get your horns up for the guitar god himself special thanks to everybody listening in at work at home in your cars wherever you may be thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight youtube twitch lgab facebook spreaker linkedin the space travelers club and on twitter or x at hashtag spaced out radio Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home.
0: AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades.
4: One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after 6-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. Hmm, how many carbs are in this cheeseburger? I think it's 15 grams for a slice of bread. How many carbs are in these fries? Take a break with the MiniMed 780G insulin pump system. You don't need to be exact with carb counts. Your best guess is good enough. Visit MedtronicDiabetes.com 780G system to learn more. Systems for people with type 1 diabetes age 7 and over. Prescription required. Warning, do not use SmartGuard feature for people who require less than 8 units or more than 250 units of insulin a day. See bit.ly slash 780GRisks.